This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, gone! Go hey, It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. Chris Townsend with the commander for the next two hours, getting you ready for a little A's baseball against the Chicago White Sox. We have another great show for you today. We're going to have Bob Nightingale from the USA Today on... Who else we got on today? Uh, Scott Merkin from MLB.com. It covers the White Sox at 4 o'clock. We're till 4.30 today. It's almost a full show because of the fourth, the 5.10 first pitch and the West Coast 7.10 in Chicago. Uh, so A's White Sox going up. So Bob Nightingale, 3 o'clock. Scott Merkin covers the White Sox at 4 o'clock. There's a lot going on with the White Sox over the last few days. Yeah, there is. Uh, you want to talk about two teams that last time these two teams met was – I totally forgot about it. Last time these two teams met in the playoffs was 2020. We'll get into that in just a moment. But I uh, wanted to start the show with heavy hearts. Uh, as we think about our world and all the different things going on in our world, and there's things that are bigger than just baseball. And we have seen on a Facebook post, Facebook page post by Michael Urban's brother that he passed away at the age of 55. And I just wanted to start the show today with my condolences to his family, especially his, his daughters, and knowing how much he cared for them. 55 is way too young, obviously. It really hits home for me. Michael Urban was a colleague. Uh, I knew Michael Irvin. You knew Michael Irvin real well. You worked with him. Uh, I've known him since, you know, the days he was a beat writer for the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Later worked with him at NBC. And then he came over when we started 95-7 the game. He started doing stuff with us. And I ended up doing a lot of shows with Michael Irvin. And I know a lot of the things that he went through and the battles that he had. Michael was a great person. He was a good father. He was caring. He was flawed. We're all flawed. But it's tough news today. He wrote the book about the, uh, about the big three. He was a very good writer. It's just it's tough. And when we first saw it on a Facebook, Facebook page post, you, you – you, but now that a lot of people are tweeting about it, we just wanted to open the show because I know a lot of you who are longtime A's fans know Michael's work, know what a big guy, big heart, big personality, a lot of fun. And as Michael Urban would have said, good for ball. 
that's a good way to say it. Um, I first met Michael working at 95.7. Actually, like my first producing gig was producing Inside the Bigs on the weekends with him on Saturday mornings from 9 to noon. So I got to know Michael really well over, you know, like the first six months of my career in producing, and we had a great time. I forgot that he was 6'8". He was a big man, but he had a great heart, and I enjoyed every time I worked with Michael. Um, It's sad news, and and as you said, condolences to his family. And uh, it's just a tough day because Michael meant a lot to a lot of people, and you know he'll be missed. He was he was a funny guy too. That's a lot. That's like a very underrated quite, uh, trait of his. Michael was not was he just a great guy, but he was very very funny. So gonna miss Michael uh, for sure. And hopefully, you know, played baseball at USF. I know he played somewhere. I can't remember where he played. Junior college, I believe. Uh, is it is it Kenyatta? Kenyatta, yeah, he played basketball there too, I believe. So hopefully he'll be honored by those schools. But we just wanted to uh, throw that out there today. Thoughts and prayers for his family, and he will be remembered. He definitely will be remembered in the baseball community, no question about it. Tough to kind of go, you know, into a, hey, it's baseball time moment after something like that, but uh, that's what we need to do. Um, Obviously, the A's are in Chicago taking on the White Sox. I noticed something yesterday that we normally do before the series that we didn't do and that's kind of on us. We apologize. But normally we count how many times our broadcasters say South Side. It's like a it's 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 like an it's it's like they're addicted to it. And I and I realized that now we have one of our radio guys doing television. It's four games in Chicago. You know that we always joke on this show, where are they? On the east side. If you don't know the joke, the joke is Ken Korak and Vince Catronio, when they talk about the White Sox, they will just say south side, south side. It's just, it's it's unbelievable how many times they'll say it in a broadcast. Pre-game, it'll be in the intro, it'll be in the game, it'll be in the post-game. It is just like, we never say that about anybody else. We'll never go, and the Athletics taking on the Seattle Mariners from the west side of Seattle. <laughs> um. Believe it or not, I let the interns know, even though they're not going to be here, to remind uh, Robert Costa in the studio. Robert, if you're listening, you know how to you know what the drill we is. we got to count. Well, We're- here's the thing. Vince, is Vince doing TV? Yeah. So we get, now we got to count Alex Jensen. So now we got, no, we got to count TV. Oh, so both. Because we have a radio guy doing TV. Well, I mean, Vince has done television his entire career, too. So we've got, on both sides now, in four games with Vince and Ken – on TV and radio, we could have easily over 100 mentions of the south side of Chicago. Uh, Ray Jensen, who people may know, who fills in for me, the karate kid, uh, he put the over-under at 45, and I said, oh, oh, I'm going over. We'll blow through that by tomorrow night, mid-game tomorrow, <laughs> 45, with TV and radio? Because think about it. Every time that Ken rejoins from, from the commercial break, it's welcome back to the south side of Chicago. That's one. That's that's South Side. Anytime <laughs> South Side, and that's why we always joke when you hear us go, is that on the east? Is that on the west? It's the South Side. It's the North Side. I get it. That's their thing. But, like, Bay Area people don't care what side of Chicago you're on. Does anybody, like, does anybody go, hey, uh, you know. Now, I get it. Like, when you're in the Bronx or you're in Queens in New York, Right. That but makes sense. Yeah, but that makes sense, right? Like, like, okay, the A's are going to take on. Give me a team. They're, they're taking on the D backs. Hey, we're on the 
east side of Phoenix. I was going to say the Twins. We're on the north side of St. Paul. <laughs> yeah, we're in the Twin Cities. <laughs> uh, the, the Kansas City, are we in Kansas or are we in Missouri? I mean, yeah. I, it, I, but, I mean, wow. So, I don't know how we're going to keep track. I just I, – I have a feeling 100 – we're staring 100 south sides between TV and radio – is Delaire working? Is our boss working this series? I don't think he's on the trip, no. Is he working back in San Francisco? We'd have to find out. We'd have to message him. I did message our Robert Casa account, and we'll have to let Scott Passerino know. You know what? I tape every game, so I tape every pre. I got to tape Brody and Stu and Shooty and Bip. Bip's actually Bip's doing color, I think, for two of these games. Uh, Robert said he's listening. Um, he will keep count. Okay, so we're going to have to keep count on radio and TV. TV will be on me. Should I text I'll Alex? Count, I'll count. Should we text Alex? No, our, our, you can't let them know. Uh, I think Alex already knows the bit. You can't. No, he'll forget. He's too nervous. Uh, <laughs> see, you can't let them know the bit because then they don't. Do you remember the one time we first started this? And Ken didn't think it was funny where I was like, Ken, after uh, it was, I can't remember what the count was. I think, we did, I think it was like 65 or something. Yeah, he didn't think it was funny. Well, I mean, Ken, uh, I think it's funny. Ken's broadcasting career in the majors started in the sh- on the South Side. Well, that's how many today already from our show. We don't count because we do it. It's the spook. We do it intentionally. It's the joke. Yeah, yeah. that's just what they do. It's, just, oh, it's the A's Radio Network on the South Side of Chicago. So we will be counting South Sides of Chicago. By the way, I'm putting that on my ticker: A's lineup versus the White Sox in the me, South get, Side. Get me Nolan. Get me Nolan. Nolan Ryan? Yes. Where's Nolan? What about him? He's got to be to your right. Oh, oh, the bobblehead. All right. It's official. I am over, and I am tired of listening to everybody be shocked that pitchers are getting hurt. It's now at a point. What's the definition of insanity? You want to look it up? No, no, it's the definition of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I am so tired of listening. I I did it. I went went to all my shows today on MLB Network. You got to listen to Sirius XM today, right? Uh, This morning, yeah. And what were they shocked about and saddened by? Uh, Otani. Oh, my God. I can't believe this is happening. We're so sad. Like, at what point, who was the front runner for the American League Cy Young Award earlier this year? Shohei Otani? No. Garrett Cole? Oh, Garrett Cole. No. Early. Plays in Tampa. Oh, Shane McClanahan. Where's he? Uh, out for the year. How many? Bob Nightingale's going to tell you here in a little bit. It's like nine raised pitchers out with Tommy John surgery. Three of their starters. Uh-huh. So, Who's the favorite for the – so the favorite at one point was McClanahan. Mm-hmm. Out. Who's the favorite for the MVP? Otani. Out. Out. Oh, I apparently mean, he's still going to hit. We'll see. I mean, at what point are you not looking around? Mason Miller. Happy birthday, by the way. Mason Miller. Where's he? Well, he was in Stockton, but rehabbing an arm injury. What arm injury? Uh, was it his UCL? Elbow. Yeah. Nathan Avaldi, who's had 8,000 Tommy John surgeries, who is carrying my fantasy team, has been out because of what? Tommy John. Elbow injury. This is an epidemic. This is an epidemic 
at the big league level. It's an epidemic at the minor league level. It's an epidemic at the college level. It's an epidemic at a high school. We've got junior high kids getting Tommy John surgery. We've got high school kids getting Tommy John surgery. When are we going to wake the F up? We've got a problem. We've got a problem. Surgery on human beings is not something that should be like, ah, no big deal, you get Tommy John surgery. Surgery is not good, especially for young people. It's not healthy. It's not healthy for you mentally. It's not healthy for you physically. I know it seems like eons ago I played. None of us had Tommy John surgery. Nobody. Wasn't really even a big thing then. No. There's been one guy in the history of baseball. For all you people like him who are so addicted to velocity and strikeouts, and now we got all these pitching labs. Oh, my God, you got to go to driveline. You got to go to the throw ranch in Texas. We got one here in Morgan Hill down south from us where we are right now. Everybody, how do I throw harder? Throw harder. Throw harder. Velocity, velocity. There's been one guy in the history of the game. One guy. You want to talk about the ultimate outlier? We've had one guy in the history of the game for over 20 years that could get on the mound and go full throttle every single time he was out there. There's been one. There's only been one, and it's this guy. He's it. This is it. Take a close look. Nolan Ryan, he's the only dude that's been able to go 20-plus years of getting on the mound, and I'm going to blow it by your ass every single game. One guy. We've had over 20,000 baseball players. That means we've had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pitchers. How many guys, Cody? One. And it's this guy. Everybody else can't do it. Never happened. Randy Johnson was great. Randy Johnson is second all-time in strikeouts. Randy Johnson was amazing, and he pitched into his 40s. Wasn't his elbow. Wasn't his shoulder. In the end, his back couldn't take it. He dealt with a bad back from the time he went to the Yankees. We saw him with the Giants win 300 games. His back was a mess. The human body can't take it. One guy's body was able to take it. Roger Clemens, his career was starting to fade, and we know what happened. He took PEDs. There's only been one guy who's done it clean and did it for over 20 years, a power pitcher throwing high 90s and blowing it by you. From the time he was a kid from Alvin, Texas, going into the Mets system in the 60s, to when he flamed out at the very end at 46 years old at the kingdom. Have you ever seen that when he threw it and went, I'm done? Yes. He was done, 46 years old. It's been one dude. The anniversary of his 5,000 strikeout against Ricky Henderson was the other day too. So it's like, when are we going to understand the human body can't take what we're trying to do? And now we got the weighted baseballs, and now we're trying to, everything we're trying to do is max all this kind of stuff. And no one can take it. No one's body can take it. It's insane. And we're just, that's all we're, we're just, we're just, we're just shuffling through these guys. So what did they do? They said, okay, this is the idea. We're addicted to this velocity. We're addicted to you throwing every single pitch as hard as you can and maximizing every single pitch. So to not, to keep you from getting hurt, we're now just going to have you throw less. That was the rationale, right? We're going to have you throw less. Less outings, less innings. That's just what we're going to do. 
And what we figured out is that hasn't worked. So that actually hurt the game, too, because less good pitchers throwing means we have to have more pitchers, and more pitchers means we have less good pitchers in the league. So we now have these monstrous pitching staffs where nobody can stay healthy. We want the best pitchers in the world to not pitch as much, and nobody is saying we got a problem. Well, there's kind of some people, but no one's doing anything about it because everybody's still going to these pitch labs. Everybody's still trying to figure out how am I going to maximize and go full throttle every single time I'm out. And you just, oh, my God, look at this closer. He throws 101, and he's got sink, and he does this. And he realized this right here, your elbow cannot take it long term. Just can't. So we've gone from the art of pitching to the art of throwing. And the art of throwing obviously isn't working because we can't keep anybody healthy. Everybody gets hurt if it's not your – and you know what's crazy is it used to be the shoulder. Now we have less shoulder injuries. It's all elbow injuries. When's the last time you're like, oh, my God, rotator cuff? You barely ever hear about the rotator cuff. It used to be the rotator cuff. Now it's all about the elbow. We are in an epidemic. And it's funny – You wake up today and everybody's saddened. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. What can't you believe? Are you not following this? I had to bring up an article that I sent to myself like a month or so ago from Bob Nightingale, and we're going to have Bob Nightingale on, where he wrote about it. There's an epidemic. We've talked about it now for a couple years. What are they doing about it? Well, I go out to a game. Do you realize Cole Reagan's yesterday, and David Feldman would back me on this, You weren't at the game. He's warming up in the bullpen. Do you realize as he's warming up in the bullpen to come into the game, right? Before the game, he's warming up. All pitchers do it. They had a high-speed camera behind him. Not behind him, behind the catcher. You had technology. There is your warming. A bullpen is just to warm up, right? Everybody has a different style of, you know, some guys really like to get heated up, but really what you're doing in the bullpen is you're warming your body up, you're getting feel for the baseball in your pitches, your bullpen is not going to determine on how you play. Dave Stewart said when he threw the no-hitter in Toronto, it was the worst bullpen he's ever had in his life. Dave Duncan was walking with him to the dugout and said to him, wow, you were miserable. And he said, Duncan used to never say anything, but he was like, wow, that was bad. And he went out and threw a no-hitter. So the bullpen, what you do in the bullpen doesn't mean what you're going to do out there on the field. So a bullpen is just that, but they had technology. And I hate it with golfers. Golfers, you see golfers on the range, they're about to go out and play, and, and they're addicted to their track man. Like we're addicted to this technology to the moment we have to actually go out and perform. Why would you have technology? You're just out there to warm up, get some feel, get ready to go, lather up, get a good sweat as George Foreman. Remember George Foreman always said when a boxer got in the ring and he wasn't sweating, he said, that guy's in trouble. Got to have a lather. Got to be ready to go. Body's got to be ready to go to box. Got to have that lather. I just, we are pitching to technology and the human body cannot take it. Where do we go from here? Nobody has an answer. Because every single time a guy like the Pitching Ninja is so impressed at 101 miles an hour, dipping and diving, everybody goes, ooh, and you're like, when's he getting Tommy John? 
You want to, you, oh, we're drafting a guy that throws 100. When's he getting Tommy John? When's he going to, and we act like Tommy John is going to be a guarantee. It's no guarantee you come back the same or you even come back better. And Shohei Otani, this is going to be his second if he has it. We know he's going to hit. He's announced today from New York that he's going to hit the rest of the season. But that means he's out next year. He's going into free agency with a bad elbow. And you could have said, well, I mean, the most he's ever pitched is 28 times in a season. You'll probably never see that again. And we have some audio. We have Dan O'Dad, we have Steve Sparks. But it was a couple years ago, and I don't even know where to find this. We had Mark Langston, who, former pitcher, all-star, was one of the better pitchers of his time, San Jose State Spartan, now uh, does radio for the Angels. I remember we talked about it, and... He called it. He said, enjoy it. It's not going to last. And he goes, I know it's not popular, and we don't talk a lot about it in Anaheim. It's not going to last. This is not going to last. His body, and you've seen signs, right? You've seen signs of the fatigue. He's had fatigue in his legs and his back and his hands. Is it all warning signs? I don't know. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. I don't know. But you knew this is his prime, too. And this was the first time that he got pushed full throttle. Like, hey, man, we need you. We need you to play. We need you to be that guy. You got to pitch. You got to hit. What does he have, 23 starts? Um, Let me see. I think that sounds about right, though. He made 23 starts. And you're not talking like he's been a workhorse. He's made 23 starts. Yeah, 23. Made 23 starts. And you're talking about a 10-year contract, $500 million, whatever it was going to be. It's going to change it dramatically, and we can get into that, but that's not something I – I mean, right now, today, what his contract's going to be, and I do believe that this is going to maybe help the Angels re-sign him because there's going to have to be – a long process of how you bring him back as a pitcher. We've talked about on this show about a reliever, high leverage reliever. How does that work as a hitter? A lot of teams don't want to name a guy as a full-time DH. You know, how much have we talked about for sure he's going to the Dodgers? The Dodgers utilize the DH as a weapon. They utilize it. They don't want one guy. And Cassianos, um, no, not Cassiano. J.D. Martinez, they, they signed, but they, they still move guys around D.H. Which is interesting. They'll start doing because Martinez is on the injury list now, so we'll see how they use it going forward. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know if it's a guarantee that whole – everybody had a guarantee who goes to L.A. I think this might because he knows the doctors, he knows everybody. I think this might be a situation where you could see him re-signing with the Angels because if anybody knows what his value is – from the standpoint of money, international money, domestic money, what he earns you, what he's worth. If anybody knows his true worth, it's the Angels. And if anybody can have kid gloves with bringing him back from the pitching standpoint, because it's tough to sign somebody as a free agent and get that new toy and then have that amazing amount of patience. Right? Yeah. 
And Buster Olney was on, a, if you want to hear it, Buster Olney was on Get Up this morning with the Greeny Hembo show. And he was talking about, you know, from, you know, Tani's injury to, to where, he, you know, he thinks he can end up with the Angels here. Let's take a look. It's about two minutes. What, what does this do to his free agency? Greeny, it changes the context completely uh, because of that two-way nature. You and I were talking in the spring. Will the contract he's going to get start with the number five, 500 million, maybe even six, $600 million? Well, that goes away now because teams just have no idea what his future is as a pitcher. Is he going to come back as a reliever? Is he going to be a starter? Is he not going to pitch at all? Uh, and so the speculation I'm hearing this morning from agents is that his forthcoming contract will essentially have to be two-tiered. You pay him as a, a hitter, say $350 million, and then you do a pitching side of the contract based on incentives, appearances, starts, that sort of thing, because nobody knows if, in fact, he winds up having to need a second Tommy John surgery, what he's going to be able to provide as a pitcher. The numbers are going to come down dramatically from what you and I were talking about in the spring. And we've heard all the different teams thrown around, and very few have thought that he would wind up staying with the Angels. Does this increase the chances of that? If you had to guess right this minute which team he's on as of next year, what would be your guess? I think it's going to be the Angels because he has more value of the Angels than any other team. He knows the organization. He knows that they'll defer to him. Uh, and if you're an interested team in Otani, we heard during the winter that the Dodgers were loading up and getting ready to pursue him in free agency. He becomes a much more difficult equation because you just don't know what kind of production he's going to give you on that side of the ball. Uh, if you're the Mets and you're restructuring your team going forward, how much are you going to be willing to throw at a player who may be able to pitch a lot, may be able to pitch very little? They just don't know. I think this pushes him back to the Angels, Greeny. I said that to you last night. What did you think when I said that to you last night? What, going back to the Angels? That saying probably the Angels is the best spot for him. Makes, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because we know about how he doesn't speak to, have to speak to the media. They don't put a lot of pressure on him to do endorsements. If he goes to New York, I mean, you're going to have to be in front of everything. So I think this definitely does help for sure push him back to Anaheim. Yeah, I, I said this last night to him in a text going, I think this, because it started breaking last night. I said, I think this, this plays well for the Angels. And now Buster only says it, but and Bob Nightingale is going to say it too. It's but what they're talking about, they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. No offense to them, they're both very, they're, very, they're both quality journalists, and they've been great at their jobs. Greeny and both Buster, friend of the program, but they're not business people. Otani's contract. They, see, this is the problem with baseball people. They're talking in terms of a player. Otani is not a player. That's not how you look at him. You look at Otani as a stock. What is he worth? How much money? This is a business. So baseball people can sit there and talk to you about baseball stuff, what they were just doing. You're signing Otani to make you money. Your return on investment, you're going to make millions upon millions of dollars of him internationally and domestically. That has nothing to do with how many homers he hits, how many innings he gives you. It's his name. He's an international star. You're making money off him as a guy, as a player being there. has nothing to do with his stats. They're talking about, well, as a hitter, as a pitcher. 
Otani is a it's almost like you have 25 players and then you have Otani. You can't look at Otani's contract like you do other people's and that's why I can't listen to these guys. David Forst. We talked to our own general manager off the air about it and he totally agreed like you're going to have to bring in consultants, you're going to have people who are international business people, you're going to have to bring in a lot of people to really see what is the value cuz that's what his people are doing. They're not looking at it per years and home runs they're going you have this player he generates extra he generates x amount of hundreds of millions of dollars for you they're not talking innings pitched appearances and home runs they're talking what does this guy do every single time he comes to the plate we have japanese advertisements behind home plate that are being aired on television nationally and locally what is he worth to you? When you put a Japanese company's patch on your jersey, what is that worth to you? Because that's what it's about. It's not about it's not it's not about exactly what he does on the field. That's a big part of it, but really the big part is if I'm signing him to 10 years, and now they're talking about there could be opt-outs and whatever, we don't know. But if I sign him for 10 years, what money does he make for me in that 10-year span? That's what it's about, and these guys, they're, they're not going to talk about that. And probably ESPN doesn't want them to get into that. But that's really the crux of it. And now that you say, oh, God, he's damaged goods, because he is damaged goods. You don't know what he'll ever do. As a, I mean, t- second Tommy John surgery, you don't know. You don't know what he'll ever do for you as a pitcher. And that's why I felt the Angels – are the fit now because it's easier when you go through this process, the healing process, to go with what you know versus now you're going to be a free agent. Now you're going to go through this process, new trainers, new doctors, and do you want to buy – I mean, how much patience do you have with the new toy? I mean, that's what he is. If he goes to the Dodgers – and and think about how reckless it's been for people to report – that the Dodgers have just been sitting back and just waiting because we're going to buy Otani. You really think you can run your business that way? What? If, how could you really sit back and say, all right, we're not going to make certain moves and we're not going to do certain things because we want to buy someone else's player? How do you know for sure you were going to get that player? You mean like the Giants who said no amount of money will keep us from getting Aaron Judge? Like, we're going to put all of our eggs in this one basket as a business for Aaron Judge, and he re-signs with the Yankees? You see, that's bad business. That led to a bad business deal that you got rescued from. That shows you, like, if Farhan's that smart, man, you don't see it. Because if he really put all his eggs in the Aaron Judge basket, lost out on Aaron Judge, and then gave Carlos Correa a 13-year deal, he's lucky he got out of that bad contract. So... I don't think the Dodgers – I think the Dodgers can chuckle. I don't think the Dodgers are that dumb that they put all their eggs in one basket for Shohei Otani. But if you sign as a free agent, man, how uncomfortable is that, is that to go to a new environment, new people to take care of you that you don't know, and let's face it, you want to have trust with your medical people. There's got to be a long process. You, you really don't know what your future is as a pitcher. And there's always going to be pressure to be like, when's he getting back on the mound? How much do we pay him when we get him back on the mound? The Angels can have all the patience with him. 
I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to have patience if you're a team that takes him on. You're not going to have as much patience with Shohei Otani because Shohei Otani, let's face it, is part of the Angels family. As a free agent, you come in, you're not part of the family. You're a dollar sign to them. You truly are looked at as a spreadsheet. What do you make me? What are you worth and what do you make me? Eh, the Angels, they know the individual and care about the individual. I think he's going to resign with the Angels now. But that's not what it's about today. What it's about today is what are we going to do? And when is somebody going to say enough is enough? Yeah, and what's crazy about like two things coming from the uh, you know from the Otani thing real quick is uh, one uh, he still had a home run after finding out that he had the torn UCL after the first game of the doubleheader, which is just remarkable itself. And uh, not to bury the lead of Otani, but uh, Mike Trout's also going back on the injured list too for the Angels. So just a rough day if you're an Angels fan. Someone like my wife who is, I told her I'm like, hey, uh, so did you hear the news? She goes, what? I'm like, well, Mike Trout's hurting, and she goes, oh, well, I'm not surprised at all. And uh, Otani tore his UCL, and she was the look on her face was just. I'm like, well, you know, you know what's going to happen eventually. So um, that's why the sound that we that we pulled of Dano from Dano down, Steve Sparks is fascinating. Talking about Otani and going forward, what you do with him. Do we have uh, our guy Dano Dowd? We do, yeah. Do we play it? Okay. I mean, this is the most complicated contract uh, I think that uh, we could actually say in the history of the game to try to actually put a valuation number on it. I will say, Chris, I think he means more to the Angels than any other team in the game. I think they they know from a measurable standpoint exactly what their ROI is on Shohei Otani. Any other market does not know that. They know like how much this guy actually means from a revenue standpoint and what he does to that for that franchise. And so I once they made a decision not to trade him, I can't believe they can let him go. Now, he may have already made his mind up he's going to leave, but I just – once you made that decision to not acquire any talent for him at all, you almost are in a position where you got to do everything humanly possible to convince him to stay, including money. Saying that um, – I don't think you can value this contract moving forward that if it's a 10-year deal, I don't think he's going to be a starting pitcher for 10 years in the future. I just don't. You already see some physical wear and tear. He's a tired young man right now trying to do what he's trying to do. And fatigue leads to injury at some point in time. I said this early on. I'll say it again. I eventually seen him to be a John Schmoltz where he'll be an everyday position player. He'll be your back-end closer because it's less wear and tear in that role than the other role in the game. But I just can't see how physically – he could hold up trying to do both at the elite level that he currently does. I mean, it's just incredible how talented of an athlete this young man is. But someones if someone pays him to be an ace of your rotation and an impact MVP type position player at some point in time, I don't think you're gonna get a return on that investment whatsoever. Think about that. And by the way, we should be proud. If you don't know it, and you may not care about it. I, I know how a lot of fans are where, where you're at right now, but a lot of people in baseball watch this show. A lot of the teams will watch this show and all the clips that we put out before they play us to find out what's going on. But we have a lot of people around baseball who watch this show. And nowhere did I see people saying, re-sign with Anaheim, re-sign with Anaheim. We've talked about it. That's Dan O'Dowd from how long ago? Right after the trade deadline. I think it was a week after. Talking about re-signing with Anaheim. I've talked about re-signing with Anaheim. Nobody was talking about it. Everybody's like, he's out of there. He's out of there. He wants to win. He's going to L.A. He's going to L.A. He's going to New York. Steve Cohen, $16 billion. That's all you've ever heard. 
You know, there's some things on this show that we talk about that are pretty accurate, that we got our finger on the pulse of the game, that not only with the A's but Major League Baseball. And you've heard it here. There's a good chance he re-signs and stays with the Angels. And you just heard Dan O'Dowd even talking about, well, I'm not sure if he's going to be a front. He is never going to be a front-line starter. And truly, a front-line starter is somebody who's going to give you 30-plus starts. Right? We saw last year the game of keep Jacob deGrom healthy. Just need him healthy for the postseason. Because if you have... Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett, oh boy, the Mets are going to be tough. Well, they had that, and they lost at home to the Padres. And DeGrom, you saved DeGrom for him to do his Superman. Oh, he's going to be Superman in the postseason. No, he wasn't. Six innings, and he was out. Six innings and out. Because that's who he is. But they had talked all that about, oh, DeGrom, you just got to save him. You got to save him. You got to save him. Oh, it's postseason time. We got DeGrom. He gave you six innings. And then he leaves, signs a free agent, and now his elbow's done, and he's having another Tommy John. Shohei Otani's best year was, what, 15-9, and 28 starts? Last year, wasn't it? Two years ago. That's it. That's the best year you're going to get out of him. That's the best you saw out of him. He is not going to be a front-line starter. He can't be. Now, I don't know. If if he wasn't a max guy, that's one thing we don't know. Well, what if DeGrom wasn't a max guy? What if everything wasn't 100 and 101, 102? You guys love DeGrom. You thought it was the most amazing thing. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's the best pitcher in the game. Man, he's just, what is he? He's going to be like everybody else. Had some really, really good moments, and that's your career. It's not longevity. It's not 17 years, 18 years, going to the post, helping teams win year after year after year. It's, I'm going to come in. I'm like a comet. I'm coming in hot, but then I'm fading fast. Would you say he's similar to the guy that I think of, and maybe it's not fair, but I think when you look the last 15 years, a guy to compare him to, would you say he's like a Tim Lincecum? Remember, Lincecum came on the scene. He's throwing hard, weird delivery, the torque on his back. Started out up here, and it just came crumbling down the more, and, and then he was out of the league. Again. Were you starting from the bottom, now you're here? Oh, that's uh, is that is that Drake? That's Drake. But by the way. You saw that? I texted it to you. Yeah, I know. I saw it. Let me see if I can. It's the curse of Drake. For all you Drake, but Drake was just recently in the. Uh, wasn't Drake just at uh, S, uh, at the Shark Tank? Uh, he uh, was he at the Shark Tank or is he at Chase? He might have been in both. I remember someone saying he was at Chase. Okay, so since Shohei Otani, since uh, Drake was wearing a Shohei Otani jersey um, on eight three, he leaves his start early with a hand cramp. On eight thirteen, he experienced arm fatigue and misses a start. On 8-23, he leaves start with arm fatigue, and then also he's diagnosed with a torn UCL and won't pitch again this season. The question was asked by Baseball Doesn't Exist on Twitter, did Drake do this? <laughs> There's always the curse a, of Drake. The curse of Drake. Anytime he wears your jersey, you know it's pretty much over. So Yeah, it was last year 28 starts, 15-9 and nine with a 2-3-3 ERA, 166 innings. 
I mean, is that real? I mean, when you really look at how much he's pitched, you're not looking at a big body of work. You're talking about the elbow hasn't been able to take it two times now. You're talking about a career 86 starts. That's it. Well, and you're not talking about a big bulk of of work in Japan. It's not like we're talking about it was like Ben McDonald and Ben McDonald threw 8 million innings at LSU and they wore his ass out, right? He was kid gloves. They threw, what, once a week. Mm-hmm. He had low mileage on his arm coming to the United States. He has thrown 51 and two-thirds innings his first year. That's it. 51. Then he had Tommy John. Hell, I logged more than that in high school. I played quarterback and pitched. Are you talking about my elbow? I mean, Jesus. 51 innings, boom, arm goes. Then he comes finally back. He's in his prime, 26, throws 130 innings. Last year, 166. This year, 132, and the elbow blows again. So how could you possibly think? Because so you don't, if you don't understand what they're going to do is they drill holes here, and a hole holes here, they take it from either your thumb or your butt, and they take the ligament, and they, they, they do it outside of your funny bone, whether it's on whichever side it is. But they drill holes, right? Well, every single time you drill holes into the bone, the bone weakens. And we learned about that with Jared Parker, which was horrific. Everybody remembers him pitching for the A's at spring training and goes down and screaming in agony. We'll never forget that. He's 28 years old. This is his prime. He's done. The 28 starts is the most you'll ever see. 86 starts. Everybody tagged this guy as the greatest guy. And I'm glad I stuck to my gun saying he's the greatest talent we have ever seen. He's not the greatest player. 86 starts. We have no I mean, Dan O'Dowd was just talking about his future probably is as a reliever. Now with him coming back. I mean, I have to think we will not see him pitch in 2024. That's not crazy. I don't know if he'll have surgery. We don't know if he'll try, like what we're trying to do with Mason Miller. There are guys that try in, you know, the PRP injections. Well, the thing, too, with UCL is they've been doing, a lot of people have been doing that internal brace thing. Like Brock Purdy, the 49ers quarterback, had that. He had the torn UCL and. He's going to be starting week one. It's only been a year. Totally. That's not different. Apples yeah, to but, apples. but I'm saying, like, you can do that internal brace. I don't know if that brings you but back. But you're going to be out. If he does the internal brace, he's out. for. I mean, folks, it's the end of the season. If he does the internal brace, he's out for all the next year as a pitcher. Yeah, most of, I'm just saying maybe that's something he pursues, or maybe he just doesn't do anything. He just rests and rehab, and he tries to just do the like he's at PRP injections, and he tries to pitch next year. But I don't want to see that where he comes back, tries to pitch next year, and it just makes it worse, and he never throws again. Well, I'll, or you're or you're doing what? You're starting. He's gonna start one week, and then he doesn't pitch for a week and a half. I mean, that doesn't work. And this this is the thing. It's like I don't know who the orthopedic surgeon or who's the who who's having the come to Jesus. Somebody's got to have the come to Jesus, as our old friend Daryl the Guru Johnson would say. We got to put the rat on the table. Somebody's got to put the rat. I guess this was a, a boss of his used to say that, and that's where he got it from. Time to put the rat on the table. You know, by the way, I've listened to them. That's now sponsored when he says that. There's a whole pest control thing now when he says rat on the table. Got to put look, the rat on the table. Look at him. 
But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where he came from, God bless him. He's one of the greatest guys. Put the rat on the damn table. Brought to you by. Theirs was at, I think theirs is Adco Pest Control. Somebody. Like yeah. What, what are you going to do? Because you're going to keep drafting these guys with the Skeens guy the Pirates just drafted. Yeah, they're babying him right now. Who cares? Yeah, I'm just saying. It doesn't work. Every single time he's throwing the baseball, he's he's taking his elbow to the limit. I hate I hate to bring it up, but we should. Has bring he it. already had Tommy John? I don't. Oh, if he did, he might have. Because he, remember, he came from Air Force when he went to LSU. So he might have. I'd have to go. But everyone's comparing him in the draft and coming out to being the best pitching prospect since the guy that's going to retire this year next month, Steven Strasburg. Totally forgot about that. I'm glad you brought it up. And here's Strasburg. Now his is different, but he did have Tommy John. Yep. But that's a thoracic, thoracic outlet. outlet syndrome. Can I finish? Oh, sorry. Oh, they were asking me. What You're like it. a wife now. I can't even get my words <laughs> out. I mean, I'm going to look and see if Skeen's at Tommy John. So, yeah, I mean, Strasburg. I mean, it's just it's down the line. Every single guy. What do you like? Can you really get like, can you get fired up for a pitcher anymore? Remember how excited everybody was about Mason Miller? Remember how excited you were? Mason Miller, Mason Miller. Mason Miller, you think he's coming back and going to log? Like, like, what are you going to get out of Mason Miller? Like, literally, I, I, what do you think you're going to get out of Mason Miller in his career? I don't think we're going to see him again this year. Okay, what about next year? Great question. I don't have the answer. 4,374 outs in a Major League Baseball season, not counting extra innings. What's Mason Miller? How many of those outs is he going to get? How many of those outs is Mason Miller going to get? And then if he doesn't get that many outs, how valuable are you? I mean... We can say it the old football term, the best ability is availability. How how valuable are you as a pitcher if you can't give me innings and outs? Oh, you throw really hard. You strike everybody out. And when you go out there, you can throw a no-hitter. But, yeah, but if you can't go on a consistent basis, I mean, what other sport? Oh, Steph Curry's great, but he can only play one once every two games. Is that great? This quarterback is the greatest quarterback, but he's only going to play in eight games. Like, the guy who has the ball is important, as we're seeing this season, right? Ken Waldachuk going today. Mark Kotze yesterday was talking about all the piggyback outings, and you're like, oh, my God. Piggyback outings means we got a bunch of guys who are going to go three or four innings. That's not a strategy. It's like following what the Giants are doing, and how's that working out for them? Not well. So... What's Mason Miller? Like, you want to get excited about Mason Miller? Great. Great kid. Good story. Once you figure out his diabetes and next thing you know, away he goes and he's incredible. But incredible for what? Do I need to quote, quote the great Ricky Waters? What was this thing? Um, I know what it is, but I'm just <laughs> blanking on it. I know it's pretty... Great 49er great for uh, former Notre Dame fighting Irish. Yeah. But I think he was with the Eagles at the time when he said this. For who? For what? That's right. 
one of the great ones of all time. And the media just went, did he really just say that? It was kind of like a Reggie Jackson moment when he's like, the magnitude of me. For who? For what? You want me to go out and take all those hits? For who? For what? Well, what's Mason Miller going to – what's he going to give you? So we're all going to go into spring training and be all jacked up for Mason Miller? And I will, and I'll sell it, but I'm going to the whole time thinking, I mean, do you, you, you think you get 20 starts? I mean, how many innings are you going to get? Probably, I'd say less than, 100, less than 100. Well, how valuable is that? Well, we were, look, we were talking about this yesterday before, the game, uh, before you did pregame. There, theoretically, and I should have done the bet with you this year, theoretically, there could be a guy that does not go 200 innings in baseball this year. Got to know when to bet, my friend. <laughs> Got to know when to bet. I just thought last year was the year, but... Nine guys. That was a great it. dinner you bought me last year. That was nice. That was really nice. The ribs were good. I'm looking forward to I the, think I had some pork tenderloin. It was beautiful. Farmers Union in downtown yeah. San Jose. I just need the Mariners to hold on, and then you can take me this year. <laughs> a lot could happen. A lot could happen. And that's – and, you know, that is something that I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this show is our division, by the way, is once again the most interesting division. All you East Coast honks out there, if you're watching, oh, the AL East is the most compelling. It's the greatest division of all time. No, it's not. Actually, it's really not that compelling at all. You got two teams. The West, look at the West. Texas has a game-and-a-half lead over Seattle and Houston. And they've lost six straight. This thing's going down the wire, man. It's going down the wire. Yeah, they've lost six straight after their big trades. This is awesome. And then you have the news. I mean, here you have – think about this. Trout's an all-time great. We're not even going – we're not even talking about Mike Trout. You you said to me last night in a text, you asked the question, will Mike Trout ever play a full season again? You know what? I do think so, but it's only going to be in the next couple of years. Because he's what – how old is he? 30, 30, is he 31, 32? 30, I would guess 31. Trouty's 32. Whoa, God. Trouty will be 33 in – oh, he just turned 32. He'll be 33 next August. All right, in the next three years, Remember, what, what, what would – okay, what would you – you asked you you asked a question, but we need to we need to refine the question. When you say a full season, what is a – in Cody's world, what is a full season? Well – you think it would be 160. I'll say, for me, I'll say 150 games. Oh. I'd have to say no. Uh, the most he's played since 2018 was 140. That I was thinking more in the 140-ish. And that's when he was 26. 140-ish range. Now, if you ask me the question, will he ever play 140 games again, I would bet yes. But I only need him to do it once. Once, yeah. Um, but he, it's probably going to be in the next three years. Remember, Trout, Trout retired today. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Says who? Wars, he's at 85 point something war. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm not voting for that hack. What'd he ever win? I was going to say, how many playoff wins does he have? <laughs> we're How's that, that Royals three game sweep that he, what'd he hit in that series? Actually, whatever, yeah, you know what? What is his war? What is his war right now? Mike Trout in his career is an 85.2 war. <laughs> he has 1,600 hits. And he's 32. 368 home runs. He's a three career 301 hitter. He has a 173 uh, 73 career OPS plus and a 994 career OPS. All right, here's a question. But in the postseason. Is that the best war by 32 years old? 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Babe Ruth was like. Well, because to get to like a hundred, where you talk the greats of the greats, if you're getting up to Ricky Anders. By the way, I got remind me the thing I sent you about Ricky. But if you're getting up to Mays, Ruth, uh, Aaron, the great Ted Williams, the greats of the greats, you got to have an OPS over Bonds. You got to have well over a hundred OPS. Yeah, I might be able to look at it. Now, Trout's going to get there if he stays healthy, obviously. Trout healthy is one of the greatest players who have ever laced him up. Yeah. But an 85.2 war by the time you're 32, I bet many guys weren't that high by that. When when we have Nightingale on, I'll see if I can uh, I can look it up on my computer, um, see what to look that, that um, time, the age range up. Uh, by the way, Mike Trout in his career in the postseason, he's a – Point zero eight three uh, hitter. Put it this way. It does have a home run. You guys all said Ken Griffey was so dr- – my good friend, Ken. <laughs> I haven't seen Kenny since Japan when we hung out. Well. My friend, Ken Griffey Jr. We've never had him on the program. He's a hard – he's a oh, – Well, our relationship is off the air. Oh. <laughs> um, remember how you said Ken Griffey was the greatest player you'd ever seen? I mean, I've never said that, but – this is going to tell you how good Trout is. King Griffey Jr.'s war. Let me just, I got to get the years here. He played a long time, long time. 22 years. The great, the great Chicago White Sox, King Griffey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Hey, when I think great pale hoes, I think. No, nope. Southsiders. <laughs> King Griffey Jr.'s war for his career is 83.8. Troy Trout has Ken Griffey Jr. almost beat by the time he's 32. Griffey had to do that in 22 years. Well, Trout already hasn't beat. <laughs> no, he's at 83.8. Trout's at 85. Oh, I thought you said he was at 82. No, 85.2. Oh, 85. Trout's already got a higher war than Griffey. Scratch that. <laughs> Think about that. That's how great Trout is. Trout is the second best player I've ever seen. Behind Superberry? Superberry, you can't. I'm sorry. Oh, Superberry. there was a there was a thing that MLB Network. Superberry's the greatest player ever. MLB Network. No offense, babe. I, I mean, if I go to the numbers, Babe's the best. But my eyes in baseball, Superberry, is hands down the greatest player of all. Career time. comparison through one one thousand two hundred thirty one games. They put up a graphic of Barry Bonds and a other another outfielder. This outfielder hasn't beaten hits, homers, RBIs, runs, and his slugging percentages. Literally a percentage point lower than Barry Bonds through 1,231 games. Who am I? Wait, 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 wait. You're too fast. Slow okay. down. What are All you right. talking about? MLB Network put up a graphic on Instagram. Okay. Career comparison through 1,231 games. Barry Bonds versus another can I can, can I just look at Barry real quick? Yes. First 1,000 games. Well, they did 1,231, but yeah. So... I just want to see. I'm not Super Barry yet. No, you're Pirate Giant. Which Barry Pirate Barry won three MVPs. Oh, he was a good player. Pirate Barry was still the best player in baseball. All right, so what'd you say? Hit shift. What do I do here? Yeah, click on the top one, and then just go down to like I don't know. So I'm gonna go to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm gonna go to let's say 95 Barry. It'll take a second to load, probably. 95 berries come over to the Giants. 
He's got three MVPs. So I played in the 80s and the early 90s, right? Yes. That's who this guy is? Well, no, this guy's more recent. This guy's recent. Oh, this guy's recent. There you go. Okay, so here's Barry. I got Barry at 1,400 games. Oh, I thought we were doing someone in his era. No, no, this is the guy currently playing. I mean, think about this. This is Barry. This is this is pre. Actually, the Bond started taking roids according to Game of Shadows around ninety six, ninety seven. So this is Barry. This is Barry. This is non steroid Barry. Okay. Non non steroid Barry still as a pirate first first coming to the Giants has a nine thirty eight OPS. Has a 159 OPS plus. And, oh, yeah, that's all you're, you're slugging. Yeah. You like slugging. Barry Bonds at this point has stolen 340 bases. I mean, Barry Bonds before steroids, Griffey didn't steal bait. No one did. I mean, he's the only guy who's 400-400, and yet he's the only guy also – 500, 500. Pretty impressive. Now, the 500, that's, you know, I think he gets to 500 without the roids. But the fact that he's the only guy in the 300, 300, I mean, I mean the 400, 400, because it's his dad, Willie Mays, Andre Dawson. Hawk. I think those are the only guys in the 300, 300 club. 300 bombs, 300 stolen bases. Barry was the first of the 400 club, and he's clearly the only guy. Think about that. You're the only guy ever to hit 500 home runs and have 500 stolen bases. But pre-steroids, according to Game of Shadows, and their reporting was pretty much dead on, Barry Bonds has 340 stolen bases, 292 home runs, and he's got a 938 OPS. So through this span, through the 1,231 games, Bonds had 1,225 hits, 236 homers, 714 RBI, 842 runs scored in a 528 slugging. Now, this player he's going up against had 1,442, so he hasn't beat by over 200 It's got to be Trout. 247 home runs, a Bonds is 236. 735 RBI to Bonds is 714. And 971 runs scored to Bonds is 842, and his slugging was 527. It's got to be Trout. Nope. Who is it? Mookie Betts. Ooh. Well, Mookie's going to the Hall of Fame. What's Mookie's war? His war is pretty high, too. Mookie's going to the Hall of Fame. You mean great bowler, Mookie Betts? The Bowling Hall of Fame, which is where? Reno. Biggest little city in the world. Okay, so here, Mookie, 62.8 war. Yeah, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, yeah Mookie's, Mookie's a pretty good player. He's only 30. Yeah, by the time Mookie's done, Mookie will be, what's he at right now? 62.8. So it'll be in the 80s, 90s, somewhere in there. He's having a great. He's in. He's hitting 300 with 34 home runs. Dude, Mookie's going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mookie's legit, and and I don't even know how Boston allows Heim Bloom to get away with that. I mean, it's flat out. You know what their thing is? My buddy who's a Red Sox honk. Oh well, they got rid of David Price's money. Do you think the Dodgers at this point <laughs> care about the David Price's number when they got Mookie Betts, who's going to be a Hall of Famer? Mookie Betts is a great player. Does, they, does Mookie go in the Hall of Fame as a Dodger or a Red Sox? Dodger. Right? Know, he played some good years in Boston, though. But yeah, but that's so far gone now. By the time he'll spend all that time in L.A. Yeah, uh, David Price is a – I mean, you don't want to write off his career in L.A. And his career in L.A., David Price, 7-2 and two with a 347 ERA in uh, 79 games. Remember, he was a reliever most of the time. <laughs> 
But yeah, they got Mookie out of the deal. You think they really care about giving up Jeter Downs, Alex Verdugo? No. Who has one of the great medallions, by the way, Verdugo. What was I talking about when I got into Bonds? Well, we were talking, I was talking about Ricky Anderson. Yeah. But we we're talking about Trout, how great Trout is. Oh, yeah. To Trout, I mean. That and and that is that's kind of the reality of not having the PEDs, right? Guys don't stay healthy long term, because what happens to a man when he gets into his thirties? Lots of stuff. The body starts changing, right? You start producing less testosterone. Some guys start to lose their eyesight. Uh, buddy FP Santangelo is great talking about this. FP, who's on KMBR now, and we saw him when we were taking on the Giants. When we swept the Giants. Giants broadcaster, too. I kind of I have a hard time with a two-game sweep. It's kind of weak. Don't forget we won the Bay Bridge Trophy, too. Do I, I, where's Rick Barry? I could not care less. <laughs> Your stupid trophy. Um, but FP talks about when he hit about 32, like, his eyesight started to go. Like, that's the problem. You you stop seeing spin, I mean, that's not good. So when you get to be in your 30s, that's something that, you know, Mark Trout's going to deal with, that these guys took PEDs and actually, you know, boo, I'm like I'm in my 20s again. Well, you, you're not going to have that. And that's, that's going to be – I didn't realize he was 30. So you're dealing – in one day, you're dealing with see you later – as a pitcher, Shohei Otani and Trout back to the IL in the same day. And all the guys that you traded for that were going to rescue your season have all been a negative war since they've come over. The only, guy that's been any, the only guy that's been good for them has been Mike Moustakis. All right, coming up next, Scott Merkin's going to join us. From, no, Bob Nightingale. Oh, we got Bob Nightingale. Yeah, Merkin, When's Merkin? Merkin's at four live. You want to talk about dumpster fire, the Chicago White Sox. Vince threw out a name for their GM potentially yesterday. They're talking about who? Dayton Moore. He's 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 with Texas right now, right? Yeah, he's an assistant. Yeah, he used to be the Royals guy, built the World Series t- teams, but I think he, I think he's now with Texas. Yeah. Hey, by the way, what's up with the lean on Mark Kotze here? I just noticed. Do you see his? He had it going. His Mandalorian hat was going a little sideways. Oh, Shohei. It's sad. But it's not sad. We can't say it's sad anymore. It's an epidemic. It's not sad anymore if it keeps happening. Plus then it's just on, on everybody else. Plus, he can still hit 60 home runs this year. Well, maybe we'll forget about him having, not having a ligament. Yeah, that, and you know what? <laughs> that The thing is, and it's when I first saw him. Rem- you know what? Isn't it funny how in the AL West we have seen all these players more than everybody else? Like, we saw Griffey. Griffey's first hit was off who? Who was King Griffey's first hit off? And he threw this. You're doing a split finger, right? Who am I? It was a double. I'm assuming it's – was it an A? Who am I? Um. And, yes, I was an A. I brought up the whole West thing. Stay with the theme. Was he on television? Is he ever been on television? Is he, yes. Is he on television now? That's I can't I cannot confirm nor deny. Dave Stewart. The great Dave Stewart. So we saw A Rod come up. We saw Griffey come up. 
We saw Ichiro's first game. That's like something out of Star Wars. Dave Niehaus, the great broadcaster. Trouty. Trouty. We've seen all this. Altuve. Uh, well, no, not Altuve. He was still in the NL Central then. They came over in 13, 12, 13? 12 or 13. I think his, his first year was 11. I'm going to say the Astros came over because we won the division. Remember against Texas in 12, the historic. They weren't here yet. I'm going to say Astros showed up in 13. 13, yeah. Yeah, because remember our historic run? They weren't around yet. We didn't kick their ass till 13 and 14. Yeah, Boy, has the tie changed. Altuve's first year, I think it was 2011 when they were awful. His first year was... 2011, he played in 57 games. That's NL Central great Jose Altuve. That's when they were playing the likes of the Pirates and the Reds. Does anybody even remember that? Do you really remember the Astros and the NL Central? Well, I'm biased because I grew up watching them play all the time. But most people probably don't. Well, you want to talk about when I grew up? Braves are out in the West. The Astros were in the West. The Astros were in the West. The Cincinnati Reds were in the West. The Atlanta Braves... The, the, the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves in the Eastern time zone were in the West. They had to fly all the way out West to play in division. Whoa, it's just like uh, from what Mike Silver was reporting from the Chronicle yesterday. We could see Pitt Cal yearly thing now with them maybe joining the ACC. They're finalizing it apparently. I don't know how much that, that is. Report so, what Mike Silver said on Twitter. So it's going to be – Stanford, Cal, is SMU going with them? I believe it's SMU. Oh, my God. When you think Atlantic Coast Conference, I think – Stanford, Georgia Tech? I think uppity, rich, pretentious universities in California and Texas. Because SMU – you know what? SMU fits with with Stanford and and Cal. They're an uppity, rich – yeah, they're the same way. They're the rich oil people. I know my cousin went there. I couldn't believe – oh, SMU – the death penalty. Pony Express. Great. Killed 30. it with a great punt. They were. But That's SMU is they SM, – SMU fits right in with Stanford. No offense to all you Stanford and Cal people. You, like you said, the Roxy. Just like with San Jose State, they'll never – just like with Cal, they'll never play in the, uh, Pac-12, in the Rose Bowl. Cal – hey, listen. Cal, hey, all you Bears, all you Bears, you, you and I will have something in common. We'll never see our colleges in the Rose Bowl. That's for all of us San Jose State grads. Cal and San Jose State grads have the same thing in common. We'll never see our teams in the Rose Bowl. Sad. I think it's funny. Sad. Is that sad? Sad. By the way, Cal projected five and a half wins. Stanford, three and a half. I wanted to see Cal groveled in the Mountain West. That's what I wanted to see. Three and a half wins projected for Stanford. This Dude, year. that does that. It is not going to last. The ACC is not going to last. You, th- you know what? That, that is purely – I'll tell you what that is. Hold on. It was football, men's basketball, and women's basketball is what they were talking about. They That's didn't say it. with the Olympic sports. Okay, no. good for that. Because uh, that, that purely is we just need to get in a conference and get some money. Because th- once Clemson and Florida State, whenever that is, they bolt, the conference is done. Where are they going to go? SEC? That or the Big Ten. The Big Ten wants to be everywhere. The Big Ten's brilliant, by the way. You think it's evil? The Big Ten wants you to wake up in the morning wherever you are in the United States of America. They want you to wake up and have games on, and then when you're going to bed late at night, they have games on. The Big Ten will play all day Saturday because they're in every single time zone. It's brilliant. So the only question is then where does Oregon State and Wazoo go? 
Come groveling to the Mountain West, baby. Hey, Oregon State, that's a, that's, huh? that's home game one for our Spartans. Uh, you know where I'll be on Saturday? The L.A. Memorial Coliseum. <laughs> yeah. Caleb Williams, by the way, says he's where not. Where are you going to be on Saturday? Watching it with my friends. You're not going? Oh, it's too expensive. I told you that. Was it too expensive? It was like five hundred something dollars for everything. I, I can't justify that. So I'll drink and watch for for free with a fellow Spartan alumni. Wow! Wow! Oh, we'll be there. I'm on a flight. I'm arriving in Burbank, being picked up by the great Mark Podesta, our crew, off to the L.A. Coliseum, and then I got the first flight out out of LAX on Sunday morning because you know I got to be back for the fourth game on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> Between the A's and the White Sox. Hey, you know what this is? You've got to strap it on, folks. This is a rematch of the 2020 playoffs. How many, huh? how many guys are living up there? Well, Tony Kemp. Eloy Jimenez was there. The French Cuban was there. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Liam was, but he was on our team. <laughs> yeah, he was there. <laughs> Even though he's not playing right now. Uh, I don't think there's many guys left. Either do we side. have any? Do we have one guy? Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp, yeah. Tony Kemp. Seth Brown was he on the team? No, Seth Brown wasn't there in 2020. Let's just take a look. I mean, because Tony I'm... Kemp. I'm saying Tony Kemp. Did Blackburn maybe get a start in there? Blackburn's been here forever now. 2020. What was that? 2020 ALDS. No, AL Wild Card. A's. But it was a three-game set. Don't worry. Baseball Reference will have here it. at the Coliseum. Call, I remember Ken's call. The A's vanquished the de- some demons after winning the series. His call at the end. Uh, oh, Lucas G. Little pitching game. Dallas Keuchel was on the team. Jake Diekman closed the game off for the A's. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to go to the second game, the first game the A's won. Can't you do the roster? I have the roster. Let's see. Compelling, I know. I know. This is great. This good stuff. Uh, okay, here, here's the roster. Um, Nate Orf, the great Nate Orf. Uh, Soria, Trevino, J.B. Wendelkin. Where's J.B. Wendelkin? Is Tony Kemp not on here? I don't even see Tony Kemp's name on here. He was on the 2020 team, but he's just – he wasn't on the playoff roster. Or he didn't play. Yeah, so there's that. And then uh, White Sox, Tim Anderson. That's one. Eloy Jimenez Eloy. was there. Luis Ro- Robert. Robert, the French Cuban. Oh, Mancata. So that's four. And then pitching wise, well, no one on our team. And for them, Crochet, Cease. So they have, they have, they have some guys left still. And then the tweeners, Liam Hendricks. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake Deepman was a White Sox before, too. Not this year, but he was, I think, last year. Yeah. I mean, are we going to relive that? The battle of. They won the first game, and then we won the next two? Correct. Is that how it went, if I remember correctly? Then we went down to Dodger Stadium, and it was the greatest proof that the ball is juiced. Yeah, I said it. You're not wrong. Oh, God. It was like, what, 20? Remember, 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 this was Chad Chad Pender fell down and hit one out to right field? Yes. It was like, that's a joke. Well, there's, what, like 25 home runs hit in that series, I believe. It was a joke. Dodger Stadium, it's hot, playing with a bouncy ball. Chi 
as you like to call him. That wasn't. I'm trying to see if I can find Ken's final call because it was actually really good. Well, I got to get to Bob Nightingale. Yeah. I don't have all day. We should probably take a break first. Well, we got to get to Merkin too. He's not till four. Oh, he's time. not till four. Yeah. All righty. Lot going on. Bob Nightingale has been a friend of of all of my programs. Uh, I've been interviewing Bob Nightingale since I was on KMBR. So KMBR when I worked for CBS, when I worked for ninety five seven, A's pre. Talk shows, I've been having them on for a long, the national show I used to do. Bob Nightingale's been a good friend, and he's always taken the time to come on our programs. Here is our guy. Oh, you want a break first? Yeah. All right, before we get to that, even though I introduced it, we'll get to Bob, <laughs> we'll get to Bob Nightingale. A lot of Shohei Otani talking baseball. We'll break it down next right here on AceCast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, when you think how long we've been doing A's, it doesn't matter. We've been on a different stations, different platforms, whether we're talking about audio, video, TV, radio. A guy that's been joining me for so many years and we have so much respect. He's one of, if not the top columnists in all of Major League Baseball. From the USA Today, the great Bob Nightingale joins us. Bob, how are you? Hope all things are well. Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you. So I had to go back into my email because an article that you did a while back that we talked about on this show, and I kept it, MLB continues to be stricken with nightmare epidemic elbow injuries. And it's just amazing to me, Bob, that I'm waking up and everybody's sitting here talking about how sad it is about Shohei Otani and how hor- and you're like, this is happening everywhere. It's happening at every level. It's just not Shohei Otani. It's X amount of pitchers at the big league level, the minor league level, the college level. We have a major problem in our game, and it's like nobody wants to address it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you go back, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago, guys are much healthier. And, you know, people are being more careful with pitch counts and everything else. Uh, you know, I think maybe, you know, it's time to reassess. You know, too many guys are just trying to throw the ball as hard as they can. They work out with these weighted balls, and they're, they're hurting themselves. Uh, you know, these guys have just, you know, short, short careers now. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay now, I think they've had eight or nine guys have Tommy John surgery since 2021 you know it's supposed to be the art of pitching not throwing as hard as you can and then blow out you know it's like they're you know redlining in a car and that engine's gonna blow yeah it makes you realize there's been one guy we've seen one guy who's been able to go full throttle for 20 plus years and not have the arm injury it's nolan ryan i mean other than that even randy johnson at the end we were talking about this at the beginning of the show it wasn't the elbow, obviously, or the shoulder. It was, but the back couldn't take it anymore. To push the human body full throttle 
like we want them to do for 20 plus years. I mean, you look around, I mean, it's the ultimate outlier. Nolan Ryan's been the only guy that's ever been able to do it. Yeah, but even, you know, just amazing. I mean, we look at guys like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. Those guys fish a long time. I don't think Maddox ever had a major injury. So, and, you know, those guys weren't bothered by fish counts or things like that. I know Atlanta used to have guys pitching the side twice a week instead of just once. Yeah. So, you know, I think just the way these uh, these guys are being brought up now. You know, I think John Smoltz joked the uh, the most unbreakable record in all of baseball is Greg Maddox. He threw 27 complete games in the minor leagues in his career. It's like a lot of these kids go five innings and looking around, wait to be, you know, called out of games. You know, no one's even, uh, you know, stretched those arms out. <laughs> that actually is pretty funny. I didn't realize that. He had 27 <laughs> complete games in the minor leagues. <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. Because, yeah, Small says, hey, what's the most unbreakable record? I came up with the traditional ones. And, oh, oh, <laughs> that, that actually is funny. And I just, you know, we're so addicted to velocity. We want that 100 miles an hour. We want spin rates. We're trying to throw sliders as hard as we can. Now we got the sweepers and we got uh, everything is just maxed out. Obviously, the elbow ligament can't take it. Do you foresee with all the people that you talk to that there may be kind of a reset going, man, maybe we shouldn't try and have everybody throw everything as hard as they can, or is it going to be same old, same old going forward? Well, they should wake up for it. You know, you don't go to those, uh, you know, the, the uh, different places they go, the fitness centers and, and build your arm strength so you can throw as hard as you can. Those guys all blow out. They really do. And they, uh, you know, you look at guys like a, like a Zach Gallon of Arizona. He throws, you know, 93, 94, 95. And, you know, he may win the Cy Young. You know, as long as you know how to pitch. Uh, it's like, a you know, a couple of pitching coaches have said, you know, to me this year, you know, who cares how fast you throw a ball for? You, you've got to throw strikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, coach, it was 101, and oh, my God, yeah, it was ball four. It's not doing me uh, any good. And the standpoint of the Angels, they went all in. It didn't work. But I think about where we are now to where probably Shohei Otani will not pitch next season. I We actually had an off-camera off conversation with our general manager, David Force, because I wanted to run, run it by him going, you know, when you looked at this contract, the amount of money that he was going to get paid, the amount of money he was going to make for you, when we talk about the money he makes for you domestically, the money that Shohei Otani makes for you potentially internationally, you would have to bring in people to figure out how, what is truly the value of this guy. It, it's not the, the economics is so much bigger than a baseball front office. you got to bring salespeople, people that understand international business. And he agreed to all that. It, it would be the most unique contract of all time. But now knowing that we know, does this injury actually maybe give the Angels a better chance to sign him since he's not going to go to the free agent market at, as this greatest pitcher and hitter combination we've ever seen, at least for the first year or two years of the deal? No, I, I agree with you, because uh, I really do. I, I think they had a much better chance of keeping the people about originally, but, you know, even more so now in the sense he knows the doctors, he knows the trainers, the medical staff, and, of course, the organization. Uh, you know, he's not a guy looking for the limelight. You know, when he was in uh, New York about a month ago, they're back in New York now, 
you know, the reporters say, yeah, do you like New York? How do you like New York? Do you have a good time? He goes, I don't know. I never went on the hotel room except to catch a team bus to the game, take the team bus back out. Uh, that's the way he is. So very comfortable in, in that type of lifestyle. But I'm with you. I, I think they, uh, you know, you, you hate to say it, but I think this injury actually helps the Angels' chances of keeping him. And, uh, you know, I think he does appreciate the fact they let him do what he wanted to as far as, you know, when he was going to pitch, how often he was going to play. And, you know, they went for the deadline. Didn't work out, but at least he tried. Yeah, it's going to be – It's gonna, well, well, I mean, it's are, are the Dodgers going to be willing to take the risk? How much will he pitch again? I, I, would you be shocked if the next plan for him long-term is more as a high-leverage reliever and not as a starter? Perhaps, just because, you know, as a reliever, then you don't know when you're pitching. It's tough to get ready. Much easier for a starter. So I think if you're a, a team approaching free agency – you're looking at him just as a, a hitter, a premier hitter, uh, you know, and a guy who can play the outfield too, fabulous outfielder, great base runner. And if he can pitch, it's an added bonus. Maybe throw incentives in that contract sack. Like, okay, how much money for each appearance, innings, that sort of thing. But I think you got to look at him as just a uh, strip as a hitter. And to what you referenced before, Chris, I'm mean, a, a hitter that makes the organization a lot of money. I think the Angels make $20, 25000000 million a year off him just with licensing and merchandising, not even talking about ticket sales, but just with the uh, advertisements, that sort of thing. Yeah, he's so unique from a standpoint, our true first like international star who brings in so much international money. If anybody really knows his worth, it's obviously the Angels. And I just wonder, because, you know, up here, people always try and act like the San Francisco Giants are going to, well, maybe he'll go there or the Seattle Mariners and what they did with Ichiro. Can you even fathom him being outside of Southern California, either Anaheim or with the LA Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think go to San Diego now after that you know mess there. I, I do believe the Giants could offer the most money because they'd probably need him the most just to get the fans back in the ballpark. You know, they uh, he's actually a, you know big draw, uh, but you know the Angels draw well, the you know, Dodgers draw great. Uh, I don't see Seattle. I mean. You know, people say, well, he's going to leave because he wants to win. Well, the Angels have won a lot more than the Mariners have in the last 20 years. They made the playoffs once. So why go to Seattle? I also think the fact that Ichiro is already there, he wants to do his own, you know, niche. So whether it's, you know, staying in uh, Anaheim or going to the Dodgers, where their, their last, you know, big Japanese star was Hideo Nomo. I remember we sat down with you at the winter meetings in San Diego, and we were all just continued to be shocked by the amount of money that the Padres were guaranteeing players over $800 million. And you're like, how many times can they keep doing this? And then since then, you know, you've heard the reports that Peter Seidler, the owner is guaranteeing these contracts based off his personal wealth and his companies. Are there people in baseball who are concerned about the finances with the Padres, especially since now we're not going to see that World Series parade. We're now not going to see him in the World Series like everybody thought. Are there concerns in baseball? Oh, very much so. I mean, except for the Mets, who lose the most money in baseball. The Mets, of course, are only Steve Cohen, is worth $17 billion, But, you know, the Padres' ownership doesn't have that kind of money. And, uh, you know, what happens in future? You know, these guys are tied up for a long time. Uh, so what happens, you know, five, six years you know, down the line when they're breaking down everything else? So it could be a complete catastrophe. I mean, this could set this franchise back 
you know, a couple of decades. Uh, that's the worst nightmare for the Players Association to see a team spend this kind of money and flop. I, I think they'll go down. Uh, I think there's zero chance to make the playoffs. I think they'll go down as the most underachieving team in baseball history. Wow. I mean, and it's it, it and it is hard to debate that. I mean, everybody was just loving how good the Padres could be, but obviously it's been a an absolute disaster. Speaking of disasters, the A's are in Chicago and I'm hearing, I can't remember where I heard this or read this, that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams were actually on the field for batting practice, and then they later got fired after that. Jerry Reinsdorf has been loyal to a fault to employees, whether it's been the White Sox or the Chicago Bulls. He has said in the past, Kenny Williams is like a son to him. Kenny has been an executive for him since 2000, a scout before that. I know things have been bad in Chicago. Are you shocked how things went down on the South side? You know, I'm not, it was coming. Uh, Jerry Reinstorff has started doing his own interviews the last couple of weeks saying, okay, what is going on here? He is fed up. I think he's seen less games this year than he ever has. Uh, tough to watch. Uh, and these guys promised him, Hey, we rebuild. Let's tear this thing down. We're going to build a championship, you know, caliber club. Well, the window stayed open for about a year and a half. It was a complete disaster. And I think, you know, as close as he was with Ken Williams, it's like you can't fire one if not, you know, without firing the other one. So painful for him. Uh, he hates firing people, but something he had to do. I mean, you can't live off 2005 forever. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people are talking about executives and what executives make may, may be leaving us, maybe losing their jobs. And we thought about Chicago. Now we know for sure. You know, the question is, you want to get rid of Brian Cashman or you want to get rid of Hein Bloom or you want to get rid of some of these guys? You better have somebody that can come in and do a better job. You know, great executives don't grow on trees. Yeah. You know, I think in a Hein Bloom case, you know, they're not spending money trying to get the, uh, the low level players but you know it comes from ownership you know if they told him hey go spend 200 million dollars on somebody you know they would do it uh you know brian cashman first losing season looks like in 25 years so you get a mulligan uh he just signed a look at a four-year deal so he's safe uh, i'm not sure about what's going to happen with the los angeles angels uh, you know perry manasia has only got a contract through next year phil nevin the manager just through this year so i wouldn't surprise anybody if they make changes there as well you know, you've had your finger on the pulse of the A situation, and I know stuff that you've put out our fans are not happy about, but the truth is the truth. So I just, you know, lately, have you heard anything about the A's, any rumblings? We know that the relocation, uh, permission to relocate has been filed. There's going to be a vote by the owners. Are you hearing anything about the A's? You know, just um, they, they hired a construction firm a few weeks ago. Uh, the firm out of Phoenix and in Minneapolis, McCarthy Group and Morrison Group. Uh, the people, MLB, have the uh, relocation papers. So, you know, I know people in Oakland are holding out hope. But, you know, their best plan is say, you know what, let's get a plan for the next team that comes in. Expansion's about five years away. Let's gear up for that and make sure that you know, Nashville gets a team, Oakland gets a team too. There's no reason if a plan's in place. They won't come right back to Oakland. All right, let's end on this. The AL West, 
super competitive all year long. Everybody just wanted to talk about how great the AL East is. And once we come back to it, the AL West is super exciting. The players, everything that's going on, Seattle back from the dead. Seattle, two different eight-game winning streaks in August. We got Bruce Bosci and Chris Young resurrecting the Rangers. Here's Dusty Baker again. Verlander's back. It's like got the band back together. If you had to pick right now, it's super close at the end. Who do you think wins the AL West, and do the other two get into the into the wild cards? I think Houston Astros win the division. I know they've been playing poorly lately, uh, you know, but they've been there, done that, six straight ALCSs. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to experience. Now they got guys healthy. You saw Texas Rangers. They have lost six in a row. But like you said, they got Bruce Bochy. He's even keel. Uh, they had a game their night they lost. He's one who uh, he blamed himself instead of his own uh, relievers. Uh, I think Seattle's going to regret trading away their closer, Paul Seaweld. I know uh, they've won 16 in the last 20 games. Those four losses were because they didn't have a closer. I think it's going to come back and hunt them. Well, you know how much I've always appreciated what you've done for us and all the different shows that I've done. Uh, it's uh, why I still get uh, Sports Weekly, which is put on by the USA Today. It has all your articles in it every single week. And uh, just I'll always support. And I, I can't thank you enough for giving us the time that you've given throughout the years. You're one of the best. And we uh, always love having you on the program. You be well. and Let's talk soon. Look forward to it. My pleasure as always, Chris. Take care, buddy. Bob Nightingale. You know, it's funny when people get mad at him. You realize how long he's had his job in this crazy business? I mean, it is pretty unbelievable how long he's been doing what he's been doing. I mean, I've been in this industry, what? A minute. I'm getting up there now. I'm getting old. How long have you been in? Uh, what is this? This is year 11. He's been in it for 40 years. I think he's that old. He's been doing this a long time. I mean, I, His I've, son covers I, the Reds. I've known him for almost 30. He doesn't look like he's in his 60s, but he could he's be. He's in great shape. Could be in his 60s. I have no idea. I just know his son covers the Reds. It, no, I think he moved on. But I don't. Now you're gonna look at it. I don't. No, I was gonna look up his age. But we'll see what his son does. Bobby Nightingale. Uh, no, he. Yeah, you're right. He did move on. He now covers the Twins. Yeah. Bobby Nightingale is his name. His son. The West. It's really hard to predict. Because the Mariners are coming on strong, but can they withstand it? The Texas Rangers have lost six in a row. Not good. The Houston Astros have been playing eh, around 500. Everybody's going to play each other. That's the thing that's good for the young players for the athletics is that you get to play, like, coming up here. Why is Roxy Burn? Why is that hack Roxy Bernstein calling me? Clearly, he's not listening to Ace Cast Live. Clearly, he wants to talk college football. I did get my college football preview magazine. I'm a little excited about five and a half for the Spartans. Wins? Yeah. Says who? That's what uh, <clears throat> that's what Vegas tells me. 
There's a lot of Vegas. What part of Vegas? Who in Vegas? I think it was. Uh, you better have answers. You just, we're only it, at five the, and a half wins. Was or? it the MGM? I think. I, I'll take that. I'll take that right now. It's pretty good. I mean, I was looking at the preview. And I Look think, at the schedule. Week week zero. USC win. Week one. Oregon State win. Week two. Cal Poly win. Uh, Forget who the next road game is. Win. Then bye week. Win, win. <laughs> Here I, ha- I have this. I real quick. I have the. I have all the tickets on my phone already. Um, we did Cal Poly, Oregon State. Then it was Cal Poly. Then on the twenty second, it's home against Air Force. So a lot of people think it could finish second. Win. Then their next home game isn't for a month. It's against Utah State. Oh, easy win. Then uh, I won't be able to go to this game. We talked about this already. The Fresno State game. Win those losers. And then the last game of the year is at home uh, against. San Diego. I'm just looking at home game. San Diego State. Oh, that's an easy win. How many wins that with that? Eleven and zero. Sixteen and zero, man. <laughs> Can we we play sixteen games? How many games do we play? Eleven or twelve? I think it's twelve. Twelve. I'll say eleven and one. I'll give you one loss somewhere in there. USC. No, that's I'm Boise. Kind of Boise. Shocking though. Yeah, Boise. Wait, at the Smurf turf. So you start start at week zero at USC. We'll go over this tomorrow. Okay. We'll go over this tomorrow. Let's Oregon State's this. ranked too, so. Who cares? They're decimated. Their program is a, they don't even know where they're going to be playing. And it's at Boise. We both went to that stadium. By the way, Dave Cavill has spoken about that. Mustang Matt, who was a longtime caller to the A's Clubhouse show. And the number is 833-625-2278. Actually, Robert is there right now. If you want to talk to Robert. He's got nothing to do. 833-625-2278. Give Robert a call. Say hello. See how he's doing. Give your guess on how many Southside references there will be this weekend. TV and radio. We're counting TV and radio. It'll be in the open. I I, I can't wait. Uh, what do you mean? It'll be in the when Ken comes on, whoever joins you. On TV. Probably the TV, NBC Sports California, there'll be two or three in the open. Two or three in the open. The first watch for it, folks. You got four days to watch and listen to how many South Sides of Chicago are going to be brought our way. Well, the first segment you do with either Ken or Alex, I don't know who you're doing with today. Well, they'll bring. Them I up. might bait them into it. I well, might be like, "Hey, where are you guys? Where are we playing this? Where'd you guys go last night?" And they'll be like, "Oh, you know, we're on the South Side. We went out. And here you go. You know, I, I I've I've been to Wrigleyville. Where 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 is uh where where is Comiskey Park or whatever the hell they call it now? U.S. Cellular. U.S. Cellular. Yeah. Or is, is it, it or, or is it guaranteed rate? Oh, it's guaranteed rate. Yeah. It's guaranteed rate. Field. It was originally U.S. It was really Comiskey number two. Then it was U.S. Yeah, U.S. Cellular, and now it's guaranteed rate field. I mean, you want to go work? I, I, I did tell Ken, I'm on record, that if Ken Korak gets the job of uh, running baseball operations, because you know he's an old White Sox great, Ken Korak, if while he's there and they offer him the job of, Executive VP, President, CBO, uh, whatever they offer him. If he takes that job, I did say I would leave Ace Cast to go be his quality control coach. I just love it because you're like, well, nobody knows what I will be doing, but I'll, but I'll be there. As long as, hey, what, what is Townsend? He's the quality control coach. What does that mean? Nobody knows, but I'm the quality control coach. Oh, hold on. I was Three candidates for the White Sox job opening. Chris, Ken, Ken Korak. 
Well, this interesting. It's Chris Getz is an internal candidate. By the way, Chris Getz ripped by um, uh, uh, catcher, World Series, pain in the – A.J. Przinsky. A.J. Przinsky ripped Getz saying, hey, listen, I played with him, good guy, nothing personal, but this guy's been running their system. Who have they produced? And I thought about it. I went, huh, who, who's not a first-round pick? What guy have they produced in their system? Who's like a, not not a big international signing guy, not a first round pick? So Andrew Vaughn's out. Who's a guy that they've? Yeah, you can't first pick. Who have you produced? Where's the second, third? Fourth? You know what? Our front office right now, you can't say that because you got Geloff, who's a second round pick. Seth Brown. Stop. Just stop. He's, he's late. That's you're late. killing my argument. <laughs> Law Dog, LB. So they're starting to produce guys. So, like, who of the White Sox? And when you got Kenny Williams, and I know I'm about to say Randy Hahn, Rick Hahn, not the great Randy Hahn of the Sharks, uh, they've been there a long time. And Chris Getz has been there for, I don't know, five or six years running their thing. Former White Sox. Obviously, they've been showing a lot of loyalty. Why would you promote that guy who's been under Hahn and Kenny Williams and they produce nothing from their farm system. Yeah, and Vince mentioned Dayton Moore on the telecast yesterday, and now I'm reading Robert Murray's piece on Fansided. Guess who he has as the number one option? He said it's, unconven- it's unconventional, but... Should I act like I'm not looking right at it? Yeah. Um, wow, let me guess here. Um, hmm, have, do I know him? Yes. Have I interviewed him multiple times in yes. my career? Uh, is he the most friendly guy in the world? No. Has he ever won a World Series? Multiple. Has he ever lived in the Bay Area? I think he's probably still does. No, he, he now, doesn't. Does he now work for the Yankees again? Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, who is it, Cody? Brian Sabian. So you're going to tell me? Are we now starting to get into a dimension where you know all these young, up and coming? They're smarter than everybody. I've been following these things, uh, you know, these certain accounts that tell you about wisdom and things mm-hmm. to live by and everything. And I can't remember who the great, great mind was, but one of the things was talking about if you're ever, if you're ever the smartest guy in the room, you shouldn't be in that room. Have you ever heard that? If you're say it again. If you're ever the smartest, smartest guy. guy in the room, you shouldn't be in that room. I've never heard that. Meaning that you should always be in a room with people who are very smart, maybe smarter than you, so you can learn. So, baseball people never learn that because baseball people all want to think they're the smartest guy in the room. They've reinvented the wheel, right? Isn't it amazing how we've brought back Dusty Baker? We've brought back Buck Showalter. Dusty Baker just won the World Series. Chris Young. Chris Young is not Mr. Analytics. Like, we went so in on analytics, right? I mean, if the Giants squander what they got going, and you know what they're all about, can you imagine the White Sox coming in and bringing in Brian Sabian? That's kicking it old school. Don't forget about Boach. Boach is back. Then I say Boach? He said Chris Young. No, I said Boach, Showalter, and Baker. Oh. If I... 
didn't bring up Boach. But of course, Boach was in there. Bob Nugget reported the other day. All right, who are the other guys? Don't don't. Uh, Steve Saunders is the other one. Some thirty-five. What about the old? Uh, what about the old Brewers guy? Where is he right now? Stearns. Yeah. I thought that the, everyone keeps linking him to the Mets because they're they're still looking for a president apparently. But apparently, you know who's back with the White Sox according to Nightingale? This came out the other day. The guy, oh, the guy that everyone said it was his fault. Tony. Tony's back. He's a why? consultant. Why? 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 But the thing, the whole thing with the White Sox is in, in the. Uh, I think I have the audio. Um, the other day after their game, Eloy Jimenez was asked by White Sox writers about the leadership in the clubhouse, and the NBC Sports Chicago postgame show went off on. Here's what Eloy said, and then here's the postgame analysis. There's been a lot of questions about guys having to step up and be leaders. Have you talked to your teammates and? Do you guys talk about that moving forward, being leaders on this team? Um, not really. <laughs> not really. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. And there's the problem in the clubhouse again. <laughs> they got to fix that. By the way, we got to fix that. We waste two minutes again. on a show. Listen to that. You don't know what this, you don't know what this goal. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, okay, I say you it. say it. I want you to say it. Yes. We're thinking the same thing. The reason they fired Kenny mm-hmm. and Rick because then. It's just that. If they think I'm wrong, prove me wrong. That's all you have to say. The reason they fired those guys is just because the players don't perform. Most of the time, managers get blamed when the players don't perform. But when you, they, when they fire the people... Sign you, look yourself in the mirror. It's time to stop playing better. If I got paid that money. So I don't want to play the whole thing. Okay, I don't understand anything, Ozzy Gian. Like, what was his point? He was pretty much saying that usually when a team underperforms, it's the manager goes, yeah. not the people, not the, not the GM. But the what, what, why exactly did they get fired? He thinks because the guys aren't performing. But there's no leadership in the clubhouse, so they have to blame it on someone. Yeah, oh, it's just this year, Ozzy. <laughs> it's this year they're not performing. It's not two years ago when they were 500. It's not last year. No, it's this year. That's why. The, the, uh, the other one, too. Remember, in 2020, and we'll talk to Scott Merkin about this. We probably had Scott Merkin on in 2020. He's been on a lot with us. All right. They were the up-and-coming team. Like, after the A's took down the White Sox in the 2020 playoffs – People said this is a dangerous team to look. I mean, think about it. Think about where Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, where they were a couple of years ago. I mean, Luis Robert is still, what, 25? He's even that old. So we're talking 2020. You're looking at these guys. 26. He's 26. Well, he just turned it then. He started it. When's his birthday? This year, he, 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 he started. He turned 26, yeah. Yeah, he started the year at 25. And so, a couple of years ago, think about who Luis Robert was. Think, what, what's uh, Eloy Jimenez? But also 26. So, you're talking about they were under 25 guys. You know, they were, what, 23 years old. 22, 23 years old when we're taking them on in the playoffs. We're looking at the White Sox going, oh, damn. This is going to be This is going to be a team to reckon with. And the year after 2021, what did people say? 
White Sox are one of the teams to beat. Remember when the White Sox played in the uh, the Iowa game in the corn? Mm-hmm. Field, of Dreams, Field game. of Dreams game against the Yankees. It was the Yankees, right? Yeah, yeah, they played the Yankees. Everybody, this is the team. This is the team. And I'll never forget. Now, granted, it's hot in Iowa, and it's humid and whatever. But I'll never forget. And they won that game. I think it was a walk-off. Tim Anderson, I think, had a walk-off. But they were styling and profiling, as Ric Flair likes to say. Each one of them, man, their jerseys were all unbuttoned. They they weren't wearing undershirts. They had medallions and chains, and they're hitting home runs. And they're all remember that? I remember I think Elo Jimenez hit a game. And his chains are just bouncing off his chest. I mean, they were love as our good friend and friend of the program, the great Dennis Eckley said Dennis Eckley said, they 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 were liking themselves. They were styling. They were liking themselves. Eck loves to say that. I was feeling myself. They were feeling themselves. They're on the national stage. They're young. They're rich. They're, that was the White Sox. And everybody bought into it. God, remember all the money there? I mean, they tried to sign Machado. They tried to give people money. People don't want to go to the south side of Chicago. Yeah, I remember they brought in like all of his like family friends. And, and what's his name? Our old for Yonder Alonzo. Yonder. John Jay. So it's like... People don't want to go to Chicago on the south side. Sucks. They don't want to go. Sorry. And now they're talking about leaving their yard. Baseball, if you think expansion is happening anytime soon, you've got you've got A's, you've got Rays, you've got Brewers, you've got White Sox now, you've got the world's looking for a new, trying to build a new stadium. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think they're really a problem though. Yeah, they're trying to stay. They're saying they're talking about Kansas. City yeah, State. they're talking about moving more into town. But either way, their ballpark. They uh, so wait a minute, you just messed me up here. So we got A's, Rays, White Sox, Brewers, Diamondbacks, Angels. That's six. I'll throw in your Kansas City. That's seven. That's seven teams. You only have 30. Do the percentages. More than a third of your teams are now like, what are we doing? You think that all of a sudden it's going to be like, hey, let's add two more teams. Expansion, I know we've we've talked about it a lot on this show, and obviously with what we're dealing with, we don't like to talk about it. We like to stay with baseball. But there's been everybody who tries to act like, Vegas is the expansion spot, right? They should have expansion. Expansion's not happening. You want a team? You want to wait? You don't know when it's going to happen. How? They always said you couldn't. Ex- you couldn't have expansion until Oakland and Tampa was taken care of. Tampa anywhere close? No. Is Oakland done yet? No. Uh, is the Angels need a new stadium? Their stadium's as old as ours. They desperately need a new stadium. You got the White Sox threatening six years. Their lease is up. We're out of here. They're Who knows? They're threatening Nash going to Nashville. Was one of the things I saw. Well, yeah. That I mean, I love Dave Stewart. And I know Dave Stewart's working uh, like you know what to make Nashville happen. I don't think there's any guarantees that Na- Nashville happens for Dave Stewart. Salt Lake City wants to be a player. I mean, there's so many like, you know, maybe the, what's best for Chicago is to take the White Sox out of Chicago. They've always been the second fiddle. Always. They have never, even when they won the World Series, didn't take Chicago. 
it is really tough to flourish in a two-team market as the second team. It's just it, it, it is what it is. You know, with Chicago, in regards to Chicago, and this might sound harsh because I grew up in a town. What about the Brewers and their roof and their bro? I mean, knowing just all of that, the point is acting like expansion is around the corner. And I know Bob just talked about, well, maybe if anything, Oakland should be ready for expansion. I I don't know if expansion's happening anytime soon. And now we start getting to a point to where you start talking over five years, you've lost me. Because I, I am very, I love my job. I love what I do. But, man, I start thinking about my career, like, five years? You're saying over five years? Do you know how long five years is? Yeah, I'll be 40 then. Think about how long five years. Think about all that, folks, five years. There's no plans for, there's, nobody's been given an expansion franchise. Expansion franchises don't start playing right away. Their minor league systems play before they play. Do we all forget that? Double A and triple A get going before the actual team gets going. So before you ever build a state, you've got to figure out, you've got to build an organization. Remember, John Lynch, 49ers, is he general manager? General manager, yeah. He's not president. I don't think they do special the titles he's like not the, executive vice president of operations wait, he's not the chief football officer <laughs> cfo <laughs> wait i thought that was chief financial oh no no that's chief football operations <laughs> or officer. officer chief football o- what's your i'm the chief football officer that's a great title well then you could be hired as a ch- the cps or uh, cfs chief football strategist <laughs> what do you do well, some days he likes orange Gatorade. Sometimes he likes blue Gatorade. I just make sure he's got Gatorade. On an off day, he's got to have a tea time. I make sure he's got a tea time. I'm the quality control coach. The quality control, <laughs> the quality control coach is the is usually the head coach's buddy. Who's Gruden's quality? I don't even remember. But you're, it's usually it's 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 the you know you're going to be hanging with the coach. I remember what I, I'm pretty sure Kotze was a quality control guy when he when. The greatest example. What was Kotze before he was managing? Mark Kotze later became Oakland's quality control coach from 18 to 20. And what was he doing? Uh, he wasn't traveling with the team. Well, I remember his daughter got hurt. But there was time. I mean, Kotze would just show up every once in a while. Why? Because they like him. Yeah. But I was, real quick, what I was going to say with Chicago is a, for a city that has two teams, and this might sound harsh, they've really never won anything. No. The Cubs and the White Sox are two of the most historic franchises, and they never win. What did the Chicago Bears want? Oh. Bears don't want anything. It wasn't for the Bulls and the Blackhawks. I don't know what. But what did the Bulls want? Yeah. I mean, you take. Since then, yeah. You take. Since Jordan. You do the timeline of the history of sports, and you take out eight years, right? So the, the Bulls won six and eight years, and they were competitive. Remember, Jordan was really only gone for one year. He came back late and played in the playoffs which they lost to Shaq and the Magic, correct? My NBA knowledge is correct? I'm, I'm going to trust you. So you take those eight years out, the Bulls have been terrible forever. You take the 85 Bears out. Now, they had good teams mid-late 80s. You take the 85 Bears out, you can take the one year they got to the Super Bowl with the great. Rex Grossman. Out of? Florida. The great Rex, but they won in 85. 
Chicago sports is terrible. The Cubs have been playing baseball since 1885. Ooh. How many times have they made the playoffs? A lot early in the early 1900s. A lot. The answer is 21. And it was all in the early 1900s. Yeah. And the last, and from 14 to now, they've made it five times. The right, White 84, Sox. 84, 84. They played the Giants in the wild card game in 98. They were in the World They were in the Six. NLCS in 03. They World Series was 16 was their World Series yeah, year? Yeah. Did they make it the year before that? I That's not a lot. So they made the playoffs in we'll just go from 2000 on. They made the playoffs in 03 like I said, 07, 08. Uh 15, they won it, they won it all in 16. They made it in 17, made it in 18, missed the playoffs. Made the wild card series, got swept by the Marlins, and then they've been back since, and they're they're a fringe playoff team right now. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox have been playing baseball since 1901. This is awful. This 1901. Is, this is How many times have the White Sox made the playoffs? 11. 11. How many times have the White Sox had back-to-back seasons in the postseason? Maybe never. It was 2020 and 2021. Look how, aw- look how we complain. Imagine that. You got the big three. You got, G- you got Giambi. You got Tejada. You have that run. They make a book about it. We act like we're miserable. They've, they've only been, since 1901, they've been to back-to-back playoffs since, once. Since 1885. Since eight, we'll just say since 1885 and 1901, the city of Chicago has produced 32 playoff teams. And what is that, 120 and, plus years? And we've been to the playoffs, what, 11 times in the Billy Bean era? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were doing. We did this before, yeah. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we are heading to Chicago. It's a dumpster fire. What is going on? We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know who's been throwing the ball better? Ken Waldachuk. Old Waldy. Ken Waldachuk has a 3.24 ERA and a 204 opponent's batting average in his last five outings. Now you might say, okay, well, who's that against? supposed to ask that who's that against that is against at giants at dodgers rangers nationals orioles nationals have actually played some of the better baseball in all the second half and something that i've been looking at something that we're gonna look at and try and find because it's it's hard i i kind of started this last night because I was reading this article in The Athletic. It was an article by Ken, was it Ken Rosenthal, where they, uh, Wander Franco, it was about Franco and then the Padres. I was reading it by Wander Franco. By the way, I still have that offer out to you. If you would like to trade Wander, I'll trade you Wander for whoever. Because I know you, you've 
really wanted him on your team. He's available. Yeah, well, he's on administrative leave, so I don't think he'll be coming back this year. Oh, you don't want to trade for him now? Are we doing this by video? No, we're doing it. He asked me to call him over the okay. phone. Uh, so I was looking at, because one of the things that they have in the article is about just the anomalies of the Padres and why they're so bad. And one of the reasons why the Padres are so bad is they're terrible hitting fastballs and they're terrible with runners in scoring position. So I said, huh, let's see if there's something to that. So you go look at the top teams with runners in scoring position. You might be shocked. Nationals are one of the best in baseball with runners in scoring position. So to find which actual stats, data, can we link the best teams versus the worst teams? Can we find that? Because some teams, you know, like we said before, you look at the Padres and run differential, they're top 10, but yet their team stinks. It's, it's tough. Do we have Scott? Scott, welcome back to Ace Cast Live. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're thinking about, I know we probably talked to you in 2020, the COVID year, the last time these two teams right. hooked up in the postseason. Isn't it amazing where these two franchises are compared to where we were in the playoffs in 2020. Yeah, no kidding. I remember uh, back then watching that series and thinking, uh, man, you know, Liam struggled a little bit in game two, and Jake Diekman, of all people, had to finish off game two. I think Jose hit like 103-mile-an-hour exit velocity, grounder to second. They get out, and then Hendricks, showing the fortitude that we know he has, comes back the next day and after throwing like 50 pitches and strikes out the side in the ninth to win the series. So I, I remember thinking after that, oh, this guy's a free agent. He'd be a nice addition for the White Sox. But it, it is an interesting uh, interesting change, right? And I don't know exactly. I, I assume the – I mean, I know the A's thought they were going in this rebuild direction, but the Sox certainly did not figure they'd be in 50 and 77 in 127 games. I can add one thing. Uh, I covered Mark Kotze with the White Sox, and he's a – great baseball guy i mean you guys have the right manager in place for sure he really he really knows the game and he was kind of everything about the game the ins and outs of the game so really really good guy to have in charge i just yeah i think about the whites we love cots and we're lucky to have them each week the mark Kotze show right here on ace cast live i i i think about 2020 we came out of that series obviously the a's were going on to dodger stadium to take on the astros right. and we were all like whoa boy look out for the white Sox." Look out, this team. And that's what we've been saying the past couple of years. And our old friend Tony LaRussa comes back. And, oh, boy, and it just never worked out. And I'm thinking about just how odd the firing was because I heard, and you can confirm this, but it was batting practice. Han and Kenny Williams were on the field for batting practice, then learned they were losing their jobs. Just take us through the day and why now, not the end of the season, that you're going to tell the front office they got to go. Well, I can tell you that uh, more of this will be in my newsletter coming out tomorrow, but I was talking to Rick on the field at about 4.20 p.m. Central. Wow. And saw Kenny, uh, you know, watching BP behind, behind the cage there. And at 5.50, we're in the uh, Conference and Learning Center here at Guaranteed Rate Field where they were showing this documentary they had been working on. It was like a private screening. Looked down at my phone 
see like part of the release coming up on my email and I'm like, oh, I wonder if like someone got hurt that they didn't announce or something happened during workouts, you know, be pregame workouts. And I look and I'm like, holy cow, did not expect that coming in. You know, we have not heard from anyone in charge, you know, Jerry or Chris Getz or Jeremy Haber, who are running the assistant gyms who are kind of running the show right now about, you know, the decision. I, I assume we'll hear when they hire someone, but the only thing that I can think of is that, you know, they want someone in place to hit the ground running going into the off season to start making these moves to add onto this team. And it's interesting because Pedro had a meeting last night with um, Jerry and Tony LaRussa, who's not on staff for the Sox, but we know has been a long time, you know, close friend of Jerry Reinsdorf's and is a man who has accomplished more than probably anything, any, more than any other manager in the history of the game. Right. So, um, and Pedro talked to, he didn't go into specifics, but he talked, you know, he reinforced the point that this is not going to be a rebuild that you don't rebuild when you have Luis Robert and Tim Anderson and Aloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn. And he didn't mention Dylan Cease, but he's in there too. So, and, and the, and the final point on the whole thing is you don't really have to rebuild when you're in the AL central. I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone <laughs> who plays a game of baseball. You're, you're pretty damn good. If you make the major league, you're really good. But the current division leader is three games over 500 in the American league central. The last three years, if things play out as they have, and I think they're going to, there will be one team above 500 in each of the years, and that was the division winner. The Sox raced to the finish line in 2021. Cleveland had a tremendous last month. Cleveland kind of flipped the script with the Sox. The Sox were in 21, were great in the first half, not so good in the second half, lost in the first round. And Cleveland was okay through most of the first half and then had like a 21-8 in September won their first series and then lost the next round. And then this year, maybe one over 500. We'll see how Minnesota finishes out, right? But, you know, it's it's a division where you can win, you know, without winning 93, 95 games, although the last two winners did have over 90 wins. And then once you get in, you take your shot, right? You never know what's going to happen. So um, that's that's what went down. You know, I, it was a weird – I did not expect it at that point, but that's how it went down. That is a brutally honest – and hilarious take that I'm going to steal from you. That is all, like, hey, listen, you just got to be 500 or better, and you got a shot in the central. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm breaking news on this no. one, right? I mean, we watched it. We we watched it last year, where three teams hung around for the. Well, you, have, you know, Kansas City and Detroit are in this extended rebuild. And I will say, I've looked at KC, I've looked at Detroit, and there's there's some guys coming up there, you know. Bobby Witt is going to be is a star already, but is going to be like a seminal star in this game before he's done. Oh, he, he they, they they just came through town and he wore us out. And right, by, and by right. the way, that's De- right. Detroit Detroit's got all kinds of young guys. Torkelson really looks to be hitting stride. I like Kerry Carpenter swing from the left side. They have some pitchers, uh, Tariq Skubal. They have a you know good guy in place and. In uh, AJ Hinch, same with uh, Quitaro over in Kansas City. So they're coming, but they're not there yet. They're probably a couple of years away. But the Twins, the Guardians, and the Sox kind of mill around. At the, I mean, people got on me this year because I would, you know, the Sox would be like 13, 14 under, and I would put like at that point where they were back in the division, but they were only like six, seven games back. So, it's, you know, if you're there, you're there. Now, granted, you know, they've, they're now 27 under, so that's that's changed, obviously. But what I'm saying is, you know, you look at the AL East, and I think, well, until the Yankees had the streak, every team was over 500, right? So, I mean, in the AL West, you have Houston, you have Texas, you have Seattle making their usual late-season run. You have Anaheim, who can be up and down, and then you guys are in this in this rebuild. But, you know, you, you got to go by what your division. Now, granted, you're not in this. This rebuild was not started by Rick and Kenny. 
in order just to get to the playoffs. They wanted to win World Series titles, which they did in 05. And that's the goal, but and you don't get in the playoffs. You don't get to the World Series. You don't win the division or don't win the wild card, right? So that should be your base goal every year. And in the AL Central, you can drop the base goal a little bit unless something changes completely going into next year. You know, you you heard the the clip, or we got to hear it. You were probably there. Eloy Jimenez talking about no leadership in the clubhouse. I mean, it's just what what what? Why is this team that we thought had so much talent the last couple of years fallen flat? Yeah, I'll defend a Eloy a little on that one. I don't think he understood the bigger gist of the question. I think maybe he was taking it like, "Are you guys talking now?" You know, okay. like right after the game or during the game about leadership. And I think he kind of looked at it like, no, we just kind of finished the game. But I think the biggest thing with this White Sox is if you put a team, if you put them top to bottom in the division and against a number of teams in the American League, you can say maybe some guys were overstated a little bit, but they're still, they're the most talented team, I think, in the AL Central. I think that's that's a given. For some reason, though, the Sox, aside from that 05 team and maybe a few other teams along the way, I've covered them for 21 years, they have trouble building teams. You know, they have trouble building a team top to bottom that's cohesive, that that knows how to win, that does the little things. But, you know, with the talent, they're able to do like last year where they never went below five under, they never went above five over. So they, they kind of teased all year and then, you know, lost eight in a row in September, and that was the end of it. So the talent is there. They just got to figure out a way to build this. Pedro Grifol talks a lot about, um, you know, the, the culture he wants to build. He's talked to me, he talked to me about that before spring training even started. So, you know, the culture is great, but you got to build a way to, to make this group work together, and it just has not the last few years. And then, well, well, the one thing that's so interesting is Jerry Reinsdorf has always been loyal to a fault. I mean, we know that going back to how loyal he was to Jerry Krause versus Jordan and Phil Jackson. Uh, we know how loyal he has been to a guy like Kenny Williams, who he says Kenny's like a son to him as Kenny's been right. with the team for so long. Um that that's kind of what's kind of surprising here. Just but but Jerry, I want to say is Jerry around like eighty six, eighty seven. He is. He is. Not that your listeners will care about this, but he's my mom's age. My mom's six months older than him. My mom turns eighty eight in September, and I believe he turns eighty eight in February. Yeah. So, so when, that that is. It's kind of as you mentioned. You know, you're not really ever in a rebuild in the central because you got a chance. But I got to think, Jerry's got to want to win, right? That's why he brought in his buddy he Tony Russa. He absolutely does. He's won seven titles. We don't even talk about the great things he's done for the people he knows and the people around him, or the, the you know the city itself. But what we can do, their ACE program is as good as any program is that their amateur city elite youth baseball program is as good as anything I've seen since I've been working pretty much. But he wants to win. He's won seven titles combined, just the one in, with the White Sox, the six with the Bulls. But you know it's not easy to do. I mean. I, I use this fact all the time, but the last team to repeat in the American League was the Yankees, which was, what, 98, 99, 2000. And the last team to repeat in the NL, if you don't count the Giants' three wins, and was it six years, I Do- think? Doesn't count. was the Big Red Machine. Yeah. The Big Red Machine was the last team to win back-to-back. It's a, it's a, especially nowadays, you know, like the Sox in 05 had, in the ALCS, they played five games, the bullpen pitched two-thirds of an inning. I mean, that would that will never happen again in the way baseball is now. There's no chance. It won't even come close to that. So it's just different. It's it's tougher. It's tough to win one, let alone two, three, whatever. But that's the goal you're shooting for, and that's what he wants to do. And I think that's why he made the move to two guys he's worked with for – I mean, Kenny's been here since he was a player. I think it was 30 
nine years, 38 years as part of their organization. And Rick started one year before I started covering the team. So Rick was 22 years. So these are not just guys who he just, you know, knows casually through work. These are guys who are, you know, like he said, part of the family. <laughs> but he felt like this was the direction you had to go in order to, to, you know, to win again. Yeah, these are guys just four cubicles over. You've known each other for a little bit. Uh, and we, exactly. We totally appreciate the time. We know you're limited here because we got a game coming up. I just want to ask you one more thing. And obviously sure. when it comes to uh, stadiums, I feel like we're uh, we're an expert out here in Oakland, knowing all the drama and everything that we've dealt with for the last twenty right. years. But all of a sudden, this has popped up on the south side of Chicago uh, in the next what? I guess the lease is up in six years. We know there's a lot of play with politics, and you want to start this dance early. Just what is going on with the White Sox and the potential of them staying where they are? Yeah, it probably would be somewhat uninformed for me to give you like a big picture answer. So I'll just go based by what I've seen over the years. And I think it's just, you know, the beginning of talks because if the lease is up in six years, you're certainly not going to start talking about it in 2027, right? That makes no sense. So I think it was just a way to kind of, you know, just their point of saying they're getting things going and they, you know, and moving forward to see what they can do with this stadium. And I'm not, you know, Nashville, I think is just a talking point because that's one of the teams, the cities that always comes up with um, expansion, you know, Nashville, Las Vegas, I think was Portland one of the teams for a while yes. had that had that was yeah. talked about to one of the cities too, but I don't I wouldn't read too much into it at this point. It's, it's a great you know hot button topic, but again, it's six years away and it's the process has really just begun. Hey, we always appreciate you stopping by. You're fantastic, and good luck finishing out the rest of the season. We'll talk to you in the off season and maybe see you at the winter meetings. There, I'll be there in, in Nashville, as a matter of fact. Correct. And the, uh, the, heat in, the heat index is 115 today, so it should be a great game. Yeah, speaking of Nashville, we're talking a lot about it, and we will all be there in December. There you go. All right, you be okay, well. guys, thanks. Scott Merkin from MLB.com does a great job. We've been having him on for years now. He's fantastic. He's really good. He's our GOAT. If, if we don't have uh, our guest – I guess we're going to have on tomorrow the great Jesse Rogers from ESPN. We go to Scott Merkin. Are we having Jesse tomorrow? Yeah, here's our guest tomorrow. Um, uh, you know him as a, as a guy on Sirius XM. I know him as a former GM, the Duke. Who? Jim Duquette. You got his loafers ready? Oh, yeah, we still owe him those. We'll you know him. what? You know what we're going to tell him? We'll have your loafers in Nashville. Don't, don't worry. We will have – We'll have your stuff in Nashville. If not there, we he always comes on with us to spring training, so we'll see him at spring training because he's always No, we got to bring him to Nashville. We'll have, we're, we'll have something for him in Nashville. So we'll have him tomorrow at 1.30. We're going to have Jesse Rogers of ESPN at 2.30. He wrote a really good piece about Cody Bellinger and his re, uh, renaissance with the Cubs. Oh, you, you said to get rid of him. You said ship him for unknown prospects. These unknown people that are so great that are sitting in the minor leagues. I didn't realize we had so many all-stars and Hall of Famers sitting in the minor leagues right now. That's, that's what I keep hearing. There's they're everywhere. We can't find them at the big league level, but they're <laughs> everywhere in the minor leagues. And we'll have, uh, we'll have Mark Kotze for the Mark Kotze show. Did I send you the thing about the Dodger fan who was, who was saying in 2020, I don't know, it was like in 2040, I'll be going to the Outman retirement jersey. <laughs> no, but I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. Talk about I'll be going to the Outman. Sorry, I saw it on X. I'll be going to the Outman retirement ceremony, the Dodger young center fielder. Uh, Redwood City. I'll be going to his retirement ceremony, and 
And who is the center fielder before? Uh, they were talking about uh, Andre Ethier. Uh, yeah, Andre Ethier. XA's, XA's guy. I don't remember Ethier being there for 12 years. Was that right or is he? But they're like, what happened in between Ethier and Outman? Oh, that's right. Cody Bellinger. Well, there was one that they threw out there, too. It was about the Yankees, but, uh, about left field or something. And it was like, I'm, I'm going to see someone's retirement. I think it's the guy they called up the prospect. And, like, and the kid goes, Dad, what about OJ's between? He goes, I don't, have, I don't have enough time to tell you all the left fielders we had. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> um, what are we looking at? Ethier was a Dodger. He didn't even play that long. 12 years. Anyway, that wasn't all in center. No I way. Uh, Ethier mainly pl- I thought he mainly played left. I thought it was right. Where's the fielding? Um, yeah, it's mainly right, left, and so well, he played both, all three. What did he play the most? He had 922 games in right, 297 in left, 144 in center. This guy. Well, you got to watch the Dodgers to know. Um, you had to watch games to know where he do played. You know what, do you know what um, organization? That's a shot at him. Right? you know what organization drafted him? Uh, why do I seem like it's a trick question? It's not the A's. So uh, I'm going to go, if it's not the Dodgers, not the A's, I got 28 other teams. Well, no, it was the A's. They drafted him twice. Okay. <laughs> I could swear we drafted him out of Arizona State, right? It was, yeah. But we, dra- Sun Devil? But, but, they, but we drafted him in this 37th round out of out of uh, community college. I thought then, you were giving me a trick question. No, no, it was the A's. So, all right, well, we're out of time. Who do we trade him for? Oh, let's find out. I'm sure it has it on the transactions. Let's see. There's always enough time to talk about players that uh, – where's the transactions? Usually there's a tab on here. Oh, uh, traded to the Dodgers for Milton Bradley. <laughs> talk about a clubhouse leader, <laughs> a leader of men, Milton Bradley. Oh, oh d- hey, don't you, don't, how can you forget the great Antonio Perez? Ho? <laughs> Milton Bradley, what a great A he was. <laughs> Chemistry doesn't matter. Chemistry to how human beings interact does not matter. It's all on a spreadsheet. It's all in the numbers. Doesn't matter that the guy's crazy. Doesn't nope. matter. You got you bring in a guy who's certifiedly certifiedly insane. Hey, Milton Bradley, two seventy nine average. Uh, that would be how many home runs did he with the A's? Milton Bradley hit sixteen home runs, drove in fifty nine in his two years with the A's. Doesn't matter. He's going to have all these run ins with the law. It doesn't matter. Does what's that matter? It doesn't matter. Thank you, Rock. It doesn't matter. What, we're done? Yeah. Back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, so an hour earlier. What are you going to do about your epidemic with Tommy Johns? What are you going to do? Is is the sport going to do anything? Or are we just going to keep slicing and dicing these guys' arms? Probably Drilling holes into their bones, new ligaments. Is that just what we're going to do? Most likely, yeah. Do you not find that sad? Yes. You find that sad that we're just like, ah, just give him Tommy John. Ah, just give him another one. Just just keep operating. Keep operating. Keep throwing as hard as you can. Keep blowing out your arm and keep operating. Everything's got to be at the max. Remember, we started the show. One dude in the history of baseball has gone full throttle every single time out for 20-plus years. That's Nolan Ryan. He's the only one. He's the, you want the unicorn? You think Shohei's the unicorn? No. The real unicorn is this guy. Everybody else, their bodies can't take it. And when you have an outlier, you can't base the world around an outlier. That's why they're an outlier. He's the exception, not the rule. What are we going to keep doing? 
We can't keep doing, oh, Mason Miller throws 100. He's never going to stay healthy. None of these guys are going to stay healthy. None of them. Who's going to stay healthy? I mean, basically, how much time do do I have just a little bit? Um, It's 425. What time am I on? Um, Well, we're going to be off in like three minutes. Okay, quickly. We're basically pitchers are becoming like NFL players. NFL players want to do one thing. They want to get one contract, one big contract after their rookie contract. Right? Yes. That is the goal. I gotta I gotta be good enough to get through my rookie contract to get one contract to set me up with that signing bonus. Because after that, who knows what my career is gonna be. And usually it's gonna be cut short. But I gotta get that one contract. That's what pitchers are becoming in baseball. They gotta get through there, they gotta get some money in arbitration, and they gotta get to that one contract. Because after that, their arms are blowing. They're all blowing. No one's staying healthy. Nobody. It's sad. It absolutely is sad. None of these guys are staying the same. You can't find any sustainability for a long-term guy now. At some point, Verlander and Grinky and these guys are all going to be gone, and what are we going to be left with? Eric Hall. I'll throw uh, Scherzer. Uh, Cole, Cole's a dinosaur now. Kershaw. Kershaw. When, when all those guys are gone, what are we going to have? Spencer Strider. Five innings. When, when's his arm blow? Yeah, give me all these guys. Give me all these great pitchers that we're going to have. When the old guard goes, who are the guys that are going to be coming up? They're going to be able to pitch and pitch long-term. Who's going to have a 15-year career? I can think of two right now that are. Give me two. Logan Webb's doing pretty well. Oh, well, he's not a 100-mile-an-hour guy. How about Zach Gallon? And Sandy Alcantara. How about Zach Gallon? He's good, too. But he throws only 92-93. Sandy throws hard. And he's Mr. Durability. (laughs) I mean, there's thou- there's hundreds of pitchers, and you- we're going to talk about two, three guys. We're starting to base. That's the, that's the base. That's the uh, baseline. It's an epidemic. We got to do something, folks. We want to thank Bob Nightingale of the USA Today, Scott Merkin, who covers the White Sox for MLB.com. It's a rematch of the 2020 playoffs. Is that a good sell? Yeah. Next, right here on A's Cast. And Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.